warning. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 205. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. Are, are, are you ready for the only podcast hotter than a human torch? It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Yeah, you did it right this time. Yes. Sorry, I got my stage notes this time. I was ready. Yeah, like the past two weeks, you've been like Lucy with the fucking football. You know what I mean? <laughs> I feel like I Charlie Brown going up there to kick, you know, and you're like, oh, I promise I'm going to do it right this time. And then you pull the football right out from under me. <laughs> it's correct. It's correct. I Every now and again, I've done variations of what I say, like very slight variations yeah. at the beginning. I know during my Guardians of the Galaxy freakout phase, I was saying doing the I am Jake. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah. I don't remember Jake. I don't remember. <laughs> Maybe you so, did. That's one for the historians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, those cool individuals. Oh, um, the coolest. Who's cooler than a PCL historian? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Just drowning in pussy. And listening to PCL, I mean, that's the life. Yeah. Oh, exactly, exactly. So how you doing tonight? <laughs> oh, fuck. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. How you doing? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm in good spirits, but I think I over-caffeinated today from getting up too early to work, and yeah. so I'm all, I'm all jitter, Jake. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I'm a little bit over-caffeinated myself. I think, yeah, I've had two energy drinks and, I don't know, hearts racing and all that shit. It's because I'm so fucking excited to talk about this Justice League trailer. Yeah, Jesus, let's be really civil with each other this episode, right? Yeah. Why? why? <laughs> did we did we get into it last week? No, I'm just saying, oh. so, like, we're both just, like, ready to go with our fucking over-caffeination. We don't want to yeah. fucking... Oh, God, Cause no. the other person to have a fucking heart attack. Oh, fuck no. No, that would suck. 
yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that'd be a real bad look right yeah yeah you remember that one where brian <laughs> died on the episode yeah i remember <laughs> uh, somebody, I'm sorry, I'm somebody so much at that somebody gives us a one star yeah the host died on the episode <laughs> the, I, the audacity of yeah, the host I, dying. I didn't get to hear you know the rest of the review because the host thought he would die a little upset by that. Yeah, that's a real real bummer there. Yeah. You really let the listening audience down with that yeah. death. You know, advertised content was Justice League trailer and he dies. Oh, really? That's our top story? That's sad. No, it's it's up there. I, advertised content is uh, Blade Runner 2049, 20, 20, uh, but I'm tacking that off. At, it's at the very end of the episode, people. It's going to be – it's not – because I've already recorded it, recorded it yesterday – uh, it's me and Matt Kirby, and we're talking, and it's spoilers. So if you're looking for a non-spoiler review of Blade Runner 2049, um, I'll just tell you go watch it. Uh, if you, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you this much: if you don't want to listen to the review, if you haven't seen it, and you want to know if you should go see it, if you didn't, if you liked Blade Runner, you'll like this. If you didn't like Blade Runner, you're not gonna like this. How about that? <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. So far, so far, you've seen no converts. No, I mean, I haven't. I haven't. You know, it's it, Matt Kirby got, says it best, and and when we talk about it, I'm not going to spoil what he says, but he says it best. I mean, he's, you know, so it's it's just one of those things where, like, I I, I feel like if you lo- if you love Blade Runner, you'll love this, and if you hate it, you're you're not going to like this. There's no change. So, yeah. I need to see it. I'll probably see it Wednesday or Thursday, I'm thinking. Yeah. All right. What do we got? What do we got? Uh, I want to thank a new uh, Patreon patron. Actually, two. Ernesto Navarro, longtime listener. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a good guy. And Jeff Adamek. So thank you, Jeff and Ernesto. You guys are awesome. Speaking of Jeff, he sent us an email leading into our iTunes reviews. That we and, and this one leads into the iTunes review that we had last week from Trekkie 1981. Whoa, my mind is blown. All right, yeah, let me blow your mind here. Jeff sends us an email, and that review has been updated. So I got to read the updated review here in a moment. But I'll start off with Jeff's email. Hey guys, the reviewer who decided to make his dissatisfaction. Yeah, let me get into this a little bit. So anyway, if you didn't listen last week, uh, we. Uh, we reviewed Star Trek Discovery last week, and uh, we got an iTunes review saying, giving us a two-star, saying we talk about Porgs and Star Wars, but we won't talk about Star Trek Discovery. Well, we had recorded the previous episode on the same night that Star Trek Discovery aired, so we were going to wait a week out to talk about it when we'd had a chance to see the first two episodes. So we got a two-star review. And uh, last week kind of went off the rails and kind of like gave this person a big uh, like I, we gave him a hard time. I, I was I was annoyed. I, I don't I don't like that shit, Jake. We we may have called him a cunt a few times. A few times. So uh, Jeff goes on to say, "Hey guys, the reviewer who decided to make his dissatisfaction with the lack of Star Trek coverage from last week can take a giant bite of my sack." I agree with your treatment of the pointy ear wearing baby. With all the podcasts out there for him to Vulcan dick pinch himself while listening to, he can take a long walk off a short plank on Java's sail barge. I reiterate that he can bite my bag. Yeah, bite my bag. 
Does he really reiterate? Yeah, I re- I, I, reiterate, I reiterate that he can bite my bag. Uh, keep up the show you want and the way you want it. By the way, all dissenters should be punished by being locked in a room and forced to watch Inhumans over and over again with breaks only to hear Celine Dion songs played on repeat. Respectfully, Jeff, your biggest fellow podcast host fan. So thank you, Jeff. Um, Thank you, Jeff. Have you watched Inhumans yet, Brian? No. No. It's on the DVR. Oh, you gotta. Yeah. I know. Jeez, there's so many. I got caught up on the deuce this week, man. I mean, you know, there's. I'm the only one telling you you gotta watch Inhumans because of how terrible it is, though. Yeah. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I'm not saying it's gonna be good. I know. Should I get? Should I just give it like the first episode and then drop? Or I, I don't... only watch the first half. You're a normal person, so I don't think yeah. you'll be able to make it to the second half. I'm a normal person. <laughs> <laughs> normal enough. Well, who who's watching this shit? Is it is it the is it the Marvel completists? Yeah, I think it is the Marvel completist. Maybe the Inhuman fanboys. Yeah, I, but I mean, yeah, our, you know, the great Dan West is an Inhuman fanboy, and I don't think he gives two fucks about this. Well, if you're an Inhumans fan, shouldn't this be kind of like uh, blasphemy when it comes to your Bible, the Inhumans? Yeah, you would think, but there's got to be that one person out there that is just going to eat up yeah, whatever. Just they're because throw it's on. Inhumans doesn't mean you have to love it, people. I mean, that's <laughs> I, I I love Transformers. Transformers was my fucking thing growing up i mean i remember being like six seven years old and uh i remember my first transformers toy i only had one when i first started and it was Trailbreaker. and i couldn't wait for that next christmas because i knew i was going to get some transformers toys and man i would just sit around all day with Trailbreaker, my one transformer toy and he would hang out with gi joes and other shit and man i remember watching the cartoons and and uh loved i mean jake i love transformers you know, and Michael Bay has not done as as a, as a Transformers. He's done it for the masses. He made Transformers for like a larger audience, and uh, now people—it's a perfect analogy. Yeah. This is great. So it's like it's like one of those things, Jake, where like he didn't give me the Transformers movie that I wanted, that franchise that I wanted, and I don't like it. I, I'm not going to make myself like something just because I like the property. You know, I mean. I don't know. I just still can't believe that they would IMAX would slap their names on this thing as a producer, and it would look this cheap. Like yeah. just the whole, the idea that it even happened just blows my mind. I don't, I don't understand it either. Anyway, we got a uh, follow up <laughs> iTunes review from Trekkie nineteen eighty one. After last week's episode, Trekkie has had a chance to listen to the episode, so Trekkie gets his little chance Uh-oh. to respond. Hey, Trekkie, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't know what I'm going to say this week. I have no clue. I really don't. I have not thought about it too much. I've gone back and forth. I've been waffling in my head how I feel about you, Trekkie1981. So, so does we, he up his star rating? Well, here we go. It's time for iTunes reviews. Yeah, where are you? There you are. It's All right, let's see oh, here. Jeez, that was the most suspenseful cold open we've ever had to iTunes reviews. You think so? 
<laughs> easily, right? We like we led some suspense. We played the music. I know. Yeah, we let it build. You know, I'm a showman. That's what I do. <laughs> it was good. I, I applaud it. All right. Uh, let's see here. Jake, take a stab. Did the uh, rating go up or down? I'm going to say down. All right. Uh, it went up, man. It went up. Wow. But Shock. it's almost a slap in the face to read this. Listen to this shit. It's almost like he didn't even listen to the episode. He or she. I don't know. Uh, it's titled Above Average Show. It's a four star. It's not a five star. Here we go. We'll get into that. Uh, Trekkie1981 says, I am glad you guys decided to adopt my recommendation for a Star Trek Discovery discussion. Stop right there. His recommendation, Jake. <laughs> we had planned on doing this the whole time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how are we not going to cover this? Uh, that's, that's the name of the game for us. Yeah. It's a big pop culture thing going on that week. We're trying to at least have one person talk about it. Yeah. But it's no, no, no. Uh, he's the fucking showrunner here. And uh, it, we, we, we adopted his recommendation for Star Trek Discovery discussion. Unbelievable. To be fair, to be fair, he his recommendation was that we should have covered it a week earlier. Oh, I know the very so night we, it aired. Yeah, so we we did not follow his recommendation. We we still did our own thing. Uh, he goes on to say, "I liked Rebecca. Please have her back on more." Honestly, at this point, I like Rebecca too, but I don't want to have her back just to please this asshole. <laughs> oh man, poor <laughs> Rebecca. She can never be on Pop Culture Leftovers again. Now, sorry, Rebecca. You got to take one for the team. Yeah, that's a bummer. I enjoyed having her on, too. Yeah, she's a good kid. <laughs> She'll understand, though. She's a loyal leftover Army member. Uh, I was I was going to change my review to a five-star to make up for my two-star review, but you guys called me the Z-word numerous <laughs> times. I kind of love this guy. No, no. Come on. Knock it off. I kind of love him. No, no. Come on. Ah. I'm not even pandering. That's pretty hilarious. Uh, no, I think that, no, I don't think he's going for funny. I think he's being serious. <laughs> That's why I don't like it. Anyway, yeah. but you guys called me the C word numerous times. So I have to dock you a star. Looking forward to all the future Star Trek discussions. <laughs> oh, I see why you said numerous times earlier when I brought it up. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Anyway. And we shall never talk about Star Trek again. Yeah, pretty much. Um, it's unfortunate. And we'll always pronounce it Star Trek from now on. Yeah. It's really bizarre. You know, that's the thing. Even if Trekkie comes back and changes his uh, iTunes review and rating, from this point on, the floor is not yours anymore. I don't care if you change it, what, whatever you do. I'm not reading any more of your reviews. I'm done. You don't yep. get the floor anymore. You're done. This is it. Yeah. You're dead to us, Tracky. <laughs> You're dead to us. <laughs> oh, no, man. I'm glad you had a slap in the face. Yeah. And the, the four stars worse than the two. I Keep the two. Oh, man. I would have given you five, but you, you called me the C word multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that may be one of my favorite sentences in any review we've ever I did, gotten. I did crack up at that, man. I, I did enjoy that. All right, Jake. Oh. We got to talk. We got to have a very uh, candid discussion here. Uh oh. All right. Let me we, let me stop thinking about Tracky. Yeah. A uh, couple weeks ago, we uh, we had a uh, show sponsor, Studio Sweden. Oh yes, I remember. We got to talk about this. So I get an email. You guys, you listeners, know what happened on the Studio Sweden episode if you did listen to it. 
if you didn't, go back and listen to it. Got an email from Studio Sweden this week saying, Hi, Brian, just checking in to make sure you have received the headphones. Looking forward to everything. And uh, I re- responded <laughs> and said, Yes, I, I got the headphones. I said, we even, we even plugged you in an episode. And they said, they sent me a second email, Jake, following up on that one. They said, Hi there. Would you mind linking me to the episode and let me know approximately which timestamps the mentions are at? Greatly appreciated. Looking forward to the next one. So, Jake, we've got uh, we've kind of run into a into a problem here. I haven't responded yet because I wanted to talk to you about it live on the show. Um, oh wow! How long have we left him hanging now? Oh, maybe two days. Maybe okay, two. Maybe okay. not yeah. so bad. Not so bad. We've yeah. been busy. Yeah, it's the weekend. You know, I got the I got, <laughs> I got the email on. A, I, you got, got all Jersey there. Yeah, I know. It's the. It's, it's the fucking it's weekend. It's the fucking weekend. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck all right so yeah shit trying man, to do some weekend do? shit over here um <laughs> god i think that i think that ad was happening during the height of me having internet problems during that episode too yeah there was that too i almost said i i think i even said at one point in time like this is the worst ad ever in history um <laughs> I, you know something i'm paraphrasing but it was not pretty um it was it, you know it's definitely not a polished ad by any means jake um, no, no, not our finest work. No, I mean, maybe there was a little bit, I, I don't know, maybe some could say that there was a little bit of mockery going on there with Scandinavian design, you know. I was trying to be sincere, but maybe it came off insincere. Uh, well, I don't know, man. Here we go. We're a week later. Maybe, maybe you are sincere about how awesome Scandinavian design is now. Oh, there's going to be follow-ups. Okay, so I want to talk to you about this. Like, so Jake, what do I do? What do, what do I do? And I, you know, I want to bring the listeners in on this. Okay, because no, clearly, number one, let, let's. Here's two things. Number one, they're not listening yet. They, they don't want to. They don't want to. They don't want to comb through a three-hour, four-hour podcast to find out that where their ad is. They want approximate timestamps so they can just listen to the shit, right? Yeah, that's good. That's good for us. That's good for us. Okay. Number two. Nobody's buying these fucking headphones, right? Do you know if we've, do we have numbers? Are they going to tell us? Why would they send me an email if they, you know what I mean? Like, hey, uh, just making sure you, you receive the headphones, you know, Uh, we've got our own code, Jake, popculture15. You go to studiosweden.com, you enter the code popculture15, it gives you 15% off the Studio Sweden headphones. That's their way to track it. You think if we would have sold a buttload of fucking headphones, he would have been like, hey, I just noticed you guys sold a hundred fucking headphones. Thanks a lot. No, but instead he's like, just making sure to you, you receive the headphones. Like, I'm just wondering if we've even sold a pair. I don't think so. I don't think so. So that we're going to get the advertised content, people. Chill the fuck out. We got to talk about this. Yeah, there could have been a better time we could have talked about this, but we want to bring you in on this. If you don't like it, the, fuck off. Give us a one star. Anyway, back the to the con- conversation. The content's the Justice League trailer, yeah. so you should stick with this. Right. So, Jake, what do we do? What do we do? Do we do I give him the timestamp, or do I try to Ferris Bueller this shit? Because I can. I mean, I, uh, Jake, I control this shit. I control this podcast. Hold on. Last episode, it was me, you, and Rebecca, right? All right. What I can do is I, me and you can record like uh, a Studio Sweden headphone ad like a legit one, you know, like, like they would do on a, on a show where they are respectful, you know? Okay. Okay. And we okay. can, we, we could, could probably rec- swing that. We could swing that. And then, and then what I could do is I could insert it into that previous episode. Like I have control over these files. These files are mine. 
Like I am like, you know, you seen that 50 shades of gray where he comes in there and he's like chaining her up and he's doing all that shit. He's in control of her. That's me with this podcast. I can take this podcast and maneuver its little body any way I want to. I can tie it up, put little blindfolds on it. I can fuck it every which way. That's what I can do with this show. And they won't know any difference, Jake. They won't know. Seems like a, seems like a lot of effort though. What's the worst case scenario here if they don't like the ad? They drop us. We ain't selling any headphones for them anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's too much trouble. I think option B, All right. if we don't give a shit, is way better than that. Yeah, I don't know if I want to go through all the work. Yeah, I don't want you to have to MacGyver it. All I right. didn't like the Ferris Bueller analogy either. I mean, it was a good analogy, but it worries me that the whole podcast is going to go flying out the window and into a tree. Yeah. <laughs> so, don't really want to do all that. All right, I'll give them the timestamps. I got another issue with them anyway, Jake, and I'll talk to you about that off air. And don't Ooh, worry, listeners. I'm scandal. Scandinavial. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I'll. Uh, and don't worry, listeners. Uh, something that I'm going to talk to Jake too about off the air, but I will bring you in on it next week or the week after. I promise. Okay, so I'm not trying to keep secrets. <laughs> All right. So I can't lie. I'm honest to hear what they think about what we did anyway. Hey, I'll pause it right now and I'll tell you, and we'll go right All back right, to the episode. Let's do it. Hold Let on. me in. All right, so now you know the uh, the deets, whatever. Yeah, wow. So yeah, <laughs> scandalicious. Yeah, scandinavalicious. Uh, we'll talk about that in the future, though. Um, but anyway, uh, final thing before we jump into good pop, bad pop this week, people. Uh, I did get another email from another company, and here's the letter I got. Hi, Brian. Get ready because we're okay. Should I should I should I preface this at all, or should I tell? No, should I, I just think, read I think it. What you're doing is good. Just blast into it all right hold on here we go hi brian get ready because we're about to star 69 1985 money for nothing and chicks for free was blaring out of boom boxes michael jordan was named rookie of the year nintendo blew our minds with super mario brothers on nes it was 1985 and a great time to be alive we thought it couldn't get any better and then jolt cola burst onto the scene to caffeinate midday slumps, late night cramp sessions, and marathons of Dungeons and Dragons. Life was good, and with double the sugar and twice the caffeine of regular cola, we were awake. Jolt Cola became the original source of the American-made carbonated energy. Then the battery can happened. Sorry about that. Let's clear the air and just say our bad. Jolt Cola addicts everywhere were crushed when the original cans were pulled from shelves. Fueled by endless demands to bring Jolt back, we're pumped to tell you that the day is here. The cola of the 80s is now on shelves at Dollar General stores across the nation and will cost you just a buck. Wow. It would be so dope if you could cover the Jolt Cola comeback on Insert Name of Podcast. Are you into it? So, yeah, whoever was sending these out got lazy and forgot to put the name of our podcast in there and just kept the original fucking uh, copy and paste one. And it said oh, insert name of podcast in the email. Uh, they didn't. All this, uh, all the hip slang, too. I have kind of a tinfoil hat theory that it's yeah. Giannetti sending us these emails that he works. Fucking A, you stole my fucking joke. Um, <laughs> I was I was getting around to it. Yeah, Giannetti. I was thinking about it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I had that one planned. Great minds. Anyway, um, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Whatever. Who? I mean, <laughs> I was thinking it was shy too. I actually almost said it on like the when I posted this on Facebook. I almost said it there, but I was like, I'll save it for the podcast. Oh, I'll let Jake steal it from me. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, uh, Jake, the only reason I'm reading this and letting people know that Jolt Cola is back on the shelves at Dollar General for a buck is because I emailed them back and I asked them, I said, are we going to get any free Jolt out of this? And they said, we're going to send you a, quote, dope media kit with Jolt Dope, co- dope media kit with Jolt Cola. Jesus, Benny. You all right? What's going on over there, man? He's just like knocked into the table. Oh, man, if they send us a Jolt baseball hat, can I have it? A uh, Jolt baseball hat? Yeah, or any kind of Jolt hat. Sure. Oh, yes. Yeah, buttons are all yours. If they send us like oh. a Jolt Funko Pop, you can shove it up your ass or whatever the hell you do with those things. I didn't even think about the possibility of buttons. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> oh, the possibilities are endless. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. This would have been another classic, like, us doing a terrible advertising spot too because like at the beginning of this episode we were talking about how we were all twitchy and caffeinated out yeah oh that's true yeah but it's not <laughs> off a of jolt what hey did you drink a red bull was that what you were doing no i had starbucks it was just oh. just too much coffee caffeine yeah man those uh those fucking uh frappes everybody's got a frappe right yeah yes everybody's carrying a frappe and like they're putting anything they want to in these fucking frappes they're going nuts yeah. with frappes. I kind of hate them. They're, a lot of them are just like mostly just like coffee shakes with no actual like coffee content in them. I don't know. Like uh, the McDonald's ones definitely have some coffee content. Yeah, they've they've got a little bit, but you're still better off going with like an iced one of their iced mochas or iced caramels or. Dairy Queen has an Oreo frappe. Yeah, I don't think that thing has a lick of caffeine in it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> It's just, I don't know. It's like, you know, that's the thing, Jake. It's like, uh, the nation just gets like overcome with like this one thing. It's like the, and then, and then we just, we burn through it, right? And then like nobody yeah. talks about it again. Do you remember when everything, like uh, every sandwich was artisan crafted? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right uh, now it's everything is gluten free. Everything's gluten free. And, uh, yeah, everything's gluten free. Yeah, there, there's food fads. There's like, there's, uh, what the fuck happened to fidget spinners? Like everybody was fidget spinning, you know, like for like <laughs> literally like three months. It felt like everywhere you went, there were like fidget spinning fuckers on YouTube and little fidget spinner celebrities on the internet and all this shit. And, you know, you'd type in fidget spinner and, and you'd see some asshole on Vimeo doing some spinning. <laughs> Oh, now they got lights on them. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. I don't know. Man. I, and I the, always thought the uh, cube, as far as like having where you have to always be moving your hands, yeah. I always thought the cube was way more effective. If I, I was going to buy one of those things. I agree 100%. Like where it's got like the little button you can flip back and forth. It's got like a, oh, it's got yeah. like a little the dial. I'm yeah. getting excited thinking about it. A little fucking nipple that you can tweak or suck or whatever the <laughs> fuck they had on there. You can milk the little <laughs> thing. I don't know what the fuck they had. It, they had all these little things, dials and buttons. and Yeah, I mean for people that can't sit still, I thought that was better. But like a little spinning thing and people, I don't know. That just seems like another fucking like uh, – yo-yo or some shit i don't yeah, know every time a fucking bad like that happens i always feel bad for like the schools like i can yeah. just imagine the schools and these fucking fidget spinners for yeah. like the two months of hype that they had you know yeah exactly what were those uh, what was it when we were kids we had the the little bracelets little slappy do bracelets P- pogs 
<laughs> yeah, there was pogs too, but the little oh, bracelets. snap bracelets. Yeah, those little, little metal bandits. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, and some kid like cut his wrist open and they banded those things in like yeah. 47 states. Wow, unbelievable. All right, let's – how long are we been going? 26 minutes and you guys haven't even talked about advertised content. <laughs> I want to talk more about dangerous things that we had when we were kids. Yeah, what else did we have when we were like kids? Like jarts. I always, I always – Oh, yeah. I used to I love jarts. Jarts are awesome. I yeah. wonder if you can get jarts on like eBay or oh, something. Oh, you can. I, I actually looked that up a couple years ago. We had a we had a jart set. And if you guys don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about lawn darts. And like yeah. you basically like and they were fucking metal and like you would just fucking throw them up in the air and try to throw them into a ring and I mean if they came down and like landed in like a kid's <laughs> skull, like Sorry, you know. Welcome <laughs> yeah. to the world of jars. I think you actually suffered a penalty on your score too if that happened. Right. Yeah, you ever hear about you ever hear about like people dying and then like relieving themselves, like shitting themselves? Yes. Jarts and sharts. I think uh I was I I've been doing a Game of Thrones rewatch and I think they talked about they just talked about that. Uh Robert the King Robert yeah. talks about his first kill and how they never tell you about the guy shitting himself afterwards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, can you imagine being like, uh, you know, a coroner, you know? Or like, you know, oh. people that work at the fucking, like, Morgan shit and uh, how many fucking asses you got to clean and shit. Yeah, that's gross. Yeah. Or just, uh, yeah. Oof. That's a pretty dark topic we're on now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, I've always like, uh, yeah, I was thinking about this actually last week, like when I go, like who's going to find me? And like, you know, I kind of like, I wish I could like leave like, uh, like if I ever got a tattoo, it, it would be instructions on like what not to do, <laughs> you know, with me after I die. Like, you know, I, I, I kind of like want to guilt him into like not fucking me, you know, and like, you know, to please don't fuck me, uh, you know, and. And, uh, you know, <laughs> that's the kind of thing, though, when you see like you, I never would have even thought of fucking you. But then it's like, oh, you never know, though, who's who's <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. But you don't want the message to be the reason they they decide to. Oh, that's true. Like, oh, my God, I just gave him the idea. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You won't tell me what to do. Right. Oh, I could tell him that I have like, like I don't know. Oh, STDs. STDs and all this other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can do that, and you could just not even lie too. You can just say you have like you have three episodes of STD, and you'll be talking about Star Trek Discovery, but they'll think it's you know you won't have to actually. Yeah, you know, you're just put, you're just putting weight. I'm actually just going to list off what I have, Jake. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, too. yeah, I'm just going <laughs> to rattle them off, and it's going to be like you know top three STDs. You know what I mean? <laughs> I want to get a – man, these are great tattoo ideas. I want to get like a word scramble tattooed on me. Do people do that? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, so like after you die, like you're giving the coroner something to do. Yeah, exactly. And I want it to be one of the real complicated ones like you see in the paper where mm -hmm. you circle a letter in each word and then there's the final word scramble that you get from all the letters of all the words. Oh, what was that one? Was it Jumbles? Yeah, I think that is what I'm talking about. Yeah, Jumbles. Yeah. Oh man. I'm gonna get a jumble tattoo right on my back. Oh uh, no, you should have like the like a crossword and then like somewhere Ooh. else on your body you got the jumble. <laughs> now you gotta find it. <laughs> like a little game. <laughs> oh exactly. I wanna do like where they have the uh the two pictures that look alike 
but the hocus pocus is that what that's called? Yeah, but skin stretches. Hocus focus. Skin stretches. So it's like uh, you're, yeah, yeah, you're. It's a gamble when you're doing. I was thinking that. you could do each picture on each cheek of my ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you could. Yeah, I guess you could do that. So yeah. and maybe they would both equally stretch out the same. You know, yeah, I don't, you never see like, like, oh, look, somebody's got a really small ass cheek on the left side, but oh, that right ass cheek is huge. They're usually around the same size. <laughs> if it gets so bad, you can just change the number of differences you have to find. Yeah. You just adjust that part of the tattoo and you're good to go. It mm-hmm. used to be nine differences and now it's 17. Yeah. All right. I'm done. Um, <laughs> yeah. let's see here. Let's move on, uh, into a uh, good pop, bad pop for the week. For more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Our banner this week's been weird. Our banter? Yeah, like like back and forth. I think it's because I think just like we explained at the beginning of the episode, I think we're just both a little extra jittery. Yeah, it's true. It's all the, it's because we're excited about that Jolt Cola. It is. It is. What about? I what, can't wait to what, get that clean sugar caffeine buzz. I'm excited. Fuck McDonald's, right? Oh, what about McDonald's? Yeah, the, the Szechuan shit yesterday. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a that was a disaster. <laughs> they, yeah, I mean they really underestimated. Okay, uh, everybody like Rick and Morty, the premiere. Rick talked about the only reason he's time traveling is because he wants to, you know, uh, eat the Szechuan sauce again. He's got to have the Szechuan sauce again from McDonald's. Talked about how it was limited edition back when uh, Mulan came out, the animated Disney movie back in 1998 so like mcdonald's kind of like ran with this uh they uh gave justin roiland and dan Harmon like you know some jugs of the szechuan sauce and then they 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 actually had winners win some of these jugs and then the next thing you know they're like okay we're gonna release it for one day at uh mcdonald's participating mcdonald's locations uh there was a website that you could go to, Jake. I found out that even if you went to that website, not all of these places, not all of these McDonald's had the combo of the Szechuan sauce and the posters. Some of them just had the posters, not the Szechuan sauce. Oh, that's interesting. We had just we have a ton of McDonald's in Peoria. We yeah. had just one that was yeah. doing the promotion. Yeah, we have like three or four here in my area, and there was only one that had the promotion. Uh, but I called some of the uh, surrounding. Uh, McDonald's that were actually on the website, and they claimed that they did not have them. Some of them said, oh, we have the posters, we don't have the sauce. And so, you know, uh, ridiculous. eBay. Well, the thing is, they only had 20 sauces at the one yeah. here. 20! How many does each person get? I think one. Oh, really? I think Just it was like a limit, limit of one. So, wow. like, yeah, like you could get one Szechuan sauce and then you could get like whatever other sauce you wanted to. And so, uh. and I, I think Dan Harmon's upset about this too. The, one of the creators. Oh, he should be, he should be because the whole thing makes Rick and Morty look bad. Well, and, and, he, and they really had nothing to do with it. And they didn't, they didn't ask, they didn't use any Rick and Morty, um, like art or anything like that for, for yeah, the promotion. Yeah, I think the poster kind of alludes to Rick and Morty without That's, being. That's that's where I'm going with this is they they tried to bite off of Rick and Morty's art style 
And so yeah, they, I, Dan Harmon – It's a total chop on it. Dan Harmon at New York, New York Comic Con seemed a little annoyed by this. And so I think season four of Rick and Morty, they're going to follow up with this whole Szechuan sauce thing and kind of tear into McDonald's a little bit. So yeah. yeah, good for them. Yeah. I got to imagine with what happened though – McDonald's wants to make money, and so they're, they're going to roll this thing back out again. Right? Oh, I, yeah, me and Matt Kirby, before we recorded our Blade Runner uh, segment for this episode, we're talking about that, and I, I told him, I was like, Mulan live action is coming out. I can't see McDonald's not taking advantage of this again. I think that they were just kind of getting a feel out there for, like, who wants to eat this shit, and... They see dollar signs, so it'll come back out. Yeah, unfortunately for Harmon and crew, they they pretty much gave McDonald's the biggest cross promotion they've had in the last freaking decade. Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? <laughs> they they just underestimated the Rick and Morty fans, and they underestimated people's uh, interest in this. I mean, but I don't know. I I don't know between them and Nintendo. I don't know who's hoarding shit more. So yeah, Nintendo's been a little bit nicer this go around so uh, we'll get into that later though okay um let's see here uh yeah good pop bad pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read sometimes we rate these things and if this is your first time listening we want you to be familiar with our rating system the rating system is simple if the leftovers don't like something they toss it if they do like something they suggest you taste it and if it's brilliant it gets a tupperware rating if all the leftovers love it then it gets the pinnacle of success a tupperware party all right jake did you watch um curb your enthusiasm yes yes i did what'd you think i thought it was really good i'm gonna give it a high taste it yeah, I, yeah. I um I, at first when I when I clicked on it because I didn't watch it live, I watched it on my HBO Go, and I saw that it was longer than a normal half an hour episode of Curb. Yeah, and at first I got really excited about that because I I'm just like, hey, more Curb. But I thought it was a little bit of a detriment to it, and that the tighter thirty minute Curb episodes kind of make everything nicer and wrap everything up a little bit better. And the story was a little bit elongated and far-fetched for me yeah. in this pilot. Yeah. I'm going to give it a taste it. I mean, it was pretty, pretty, pretty <laughs> average. I mean, it was, it's just – it's more of like – I mean, like had this been like a season one episode, I would have been rolling. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like yeah. we've seen this so many times and it was really nothing new. I did kind of like laugh at the whole bridegroom thing and it's nice to see JB Smoove back but – um yeah jb smooth was funny i i got excited at seeing everyone again i even yeah. got excited at seeing like Cheryl hines on there again for yeah a moment. yeah for a moment and, and you know but you know like jeff garland i mean he was barely in it and it's you know i don't know if that has to do with goldberg stuff or whatever but um i don't know it, i thought it was good i'll give it a taste that hopefully there'll be some really great episodes coming up this season but uh was I mean, for 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 a curb episode, I'm going to just give it a taste. It so. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Um, I wish they would have came out of the gates a little stronger, having what a, what a five year break from the series. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you've got five years to come back. I, I'm just worried about like that's one of the things that I was kind of like worried with this was like the fact that Jeff Garland is doing the Goldbergs and and I was like I just didn't want this to feel like. 
you know, and I know he's not always with David. This is kind of like David's story, but like, I didn't want it to feel like arrested development where you couldn't get everybody in the same room together, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool seeing like Richard Lewis involved. Yes. Yeah. It was nice to see Richard Lewis. So. so is, um, I don't know anything about celebrity gossip. I'm, I'm pretty bad at a lot of that. Uh-huh. Is, is the Ted Danson stuff legit? Yeah, him and uh, Mary St- – I I was thinking that when I was watching it and I almost paused to look into it. I don't know if they have split or not. Okay. you still, Yeah, because I'm just – that's not my forte when it yeah. comes to pop culture. I'm yeah. Googling it right now. I, I mean I could text my mom and she would know like why <laughs> – I mean no. my mom reads all those people magazines and all those you know celeb magazines. So yeah, that's where I usually get most of my knowledge there. So – but uh, while you're looking that up, uh, I want to talk about two documentaries that I watched. I watched Dumb, the story of Big Brother magazine on Hulu. And this is basically kind of like uh, an origin story for like where the Jackass guys came from, the MTV series Jackass. Uh, these guys all started from this Big Brother magazine, which was a skateboarding magazine. Uh, you had, uh, there's a couple big ones. Of course, everybody remembers Thrasher. And then there was another skateboarding magazine. And, but, you know, Thrasher was, I guess, a little edgier than the other one that was on the, on the, uh, shelves at the time. But Big Brother magazine, not only did it deal with skating, but it dealt with, like, sex and drugs. And it was just really fucking raw. And, um, I mean, they had an article on how to kill yourself. Like, and it like literally went through like legit steps. Like you got to understand, like this was like in the, do you remember, you remember people, I don't know if you remember people in Peoria at your school or I, I remember at my school, like kids making zines. Do you remember zines? Oh, I do remember zines. Yes. Yeah. Zines were basically, and they explained this in the, in the documentary, but zines were basically like somebody would take like a bunch of pictures and write shit down on a piece of paper and then go to a Xerox copier and copy it off and then fold it. And just give it out like a magazine. And some people even had subscriptions to these magazines where, like, they would mail them to you. You know, you'd send them, like, a dollar and they would, like, mail you one of these magazines every month. Like They I, were huge for video games back in my childhood. Yeah. Well, I, I, had, I had some friends that just made, like, random zines and would put, like, funny comedy shit in there and, like, their thoughts and all these things. So, like – this a lot of these people that started in this magazine for Big Brother were just writing zines, and you know, like this one guy who was writing for Big Brother, like followed like this. Uh, they went to like this skateboarding event, but like the whole time he followed around like this girl that was hooked on heroin, and like wrote about his adventure with her, and it's fucking hilarious when they go over it. Like it's not funny that she's addicted to heroin, but the things that yeah. he wrote were pretty fucking funny. And like at the time, like they were just trying to be edgy as fuck. And like, you know, basically it was a magazine that was just really edgy. And like this was like skateboarding culture. Not only did it like have like how to do these moves, but it also like would talk to them in the way that the other magazines weren't. So, you know, you kind of like how maxim is for like dudes you know this is like this was like the skateboarders magazine and i had never heard of that magazine i never did either i it's probably because it it probably didn't make it out here jake unless you had a subscription to it because like who knows if they would have put this shit on the shelves anywhere around here so we had a pretty notable skateboard store in peoria yeah but i probably just didn't notice it if they had it this has got like 
appearances, of course, like Chris Pontius was part of this. And then, you know, Jonah Hill was a reader of this book and talks about it. Um, Jason Lee is actually featured in the, you know, some very young footage of Jason Lee is featured in this. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. It's a great documentary. You find out that the magazine actually got bought out by Larry Flint. And, oh, wow. A yeah. bustler fame. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's really good. And then it kind of goes into like the, the formation of Jackass and how the, how Big Brother kind of like splits off into two different directions. Like you've got the Big Brother editors and then some of the guys leave and then go off and do Jackass. And it's got the introduction of Steve-O. And I mean, if you've watched like Steve-O's comedy special or if you've watched like the documentary about him called Demise and Rise, Steve-O Demise and Rise, which is a great documentary about Steve-O, um, you'll like this too. This is – it gives you another look into it. I give it a Tupperware. I think it's a fantastic documentary. But I'm also biased because I like the Jackass guys and I like um, – you know, I just like learning more and more and more about them. So, Yeah, what a wild ride. I'm not a big – the biggest fan of that that stuff but it is interesting kind of the wild ride they went through first with the the magazine stuff and then right into the jackass stuff yeah yeah you can you learn oh man you learn about like the origin story of like how johnny knoxville started with this jackass stuff like they show it like they did an article on you know um like different weapons and things like that and they used the weapons on johnny knoxville like they they used a taser gun on him taser darts and then Jesus. you know they record, big brother had videos as well and like this is the origin of wee man wee man was a skater before all this like he was like a oh, yeah. a little person skater and they showed him like you know performing skate moves and shit like that they showed johnny knoxville like putting on a bulletproof vest and shooting himself with it i mean you know the very young johnny knoxville this is this is really a good documentary it's on hulu it's called dumb the story of big brother magazine check it out if you have hulu the next documentary i wanted to talk about i watched it today as a matter matter of fact um the hbo documentary for spielberg oh, i'm jealous it's on my to watch list but it's long been, it's long really? it's two and a half hours so i'm still excited yeah i the first like two hours i'm like really hooked and then they start getting into I started to kind of get bored with it when they started talking about Munich, which is not my favorite Sp- Spielberg movie by any means. I own it, but I don't like it. Um, I think it's, yeah, I actually like Munich quite a lot. See, I'm not a big fan of Munich. Every other movie, though, that they showcased throughout this is pretty amazing, and the way they set up the documentary is pretty awesome. You know, it goes into Jaws first. But then it starts going into his childhood and then it, you know, and then it'll bounce back to another movie where they talk about E.T. And like I'm watching – I know you don't like E.T., Jake. because No, no, reason. but I still respect it yeah. and get it. It's just childhood <clears throat> drama. Yeah. For me, watching just like the scenes and, you know, they, they uh, who is it? Peter – is it Peter Coyote who started in that movie? Like is it Peter Coyote? Is that how he pronounced his last name? It's spelled just like Coyote. Uh, Capaldi. No, right? not uh, – Someone different. Yeah. Um, but anyway, his name, his last name spelled just like coyote. So unless it's, I don't know, but anyway, he was in that movie. He played the, the guy with the keys. That's always, you know, that they, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So, um, he's talking about it and they're showing scenes from that fucking movie. And I'm like crying as I'm watching it. Cause like, <laughs> I, dude, I love that movie. I, I fucking love ET. And I'm like, no, I hear you. I'm like, I can, I can do the music right now. It's the music so. too, man. John Williams is a fucking, he's a master. And like they go into, I mean, they talk about empire of the sun. He talks about 
how, you know, he talks about the color purple. They go into like what Schindler's list meant to him and how like how hard it was for him to make that movie and how Kate Capshaw, the only reason that that movie got made is because like she was there with him and she like held his hand throughout the entire thing. And she was just like helping him through that. And they talked about her converting to Judaism and, and it's just, it's really a fantastic, you learn so much about him and it's like his family life growing up and how much he throws that into the films. Like, it, not every little thing either, just like little elements of his childhood and like the family breaking up and then the family coming back together is a big theme with him. And like he talks about that and, and how it always shows up in his movies. And it's, it's really fascinating. Some great, um, uh, like little appearances and interviews by, by different actors. They had Tom Cruise, Dustin Hoffman, Liam Neeson. I mean, they really go all out here. You've got Scorsese involved in this, uh, Brian De Palma. I mean, so many fucking legends are in this documentary. It's, it's really fantastic. And of course they talk about Jurassic Park and, and the, the CGI graphics that were used at the time and how it was like revolutionary. And it's such a great documentary. I highly recommend it. It's a Tupperware. So. Oh man, even though so even though the last half an hour was a little bit of a snork fest with the Munich for you, you still Tupperware. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I mean, I I own Munich for crying out loud. It's just it's not my favorite Spielberg movie. Maybe I need to go back and watch it again, but it, it just wasn't my favorite movie at the time. So yeah, I, I find it really interesting. Um, I, it tackles a lot of really interesting issues. I think in the last half an hour that a lot of films have not. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Re- revisit Munich. I think it's pretty great. It's the first time I really uh, noticed um, Daniel Craig as a prominent actor, too. Yeah, yeah, and you know Tom Hanks is in this, and they talk about Bridge of Spies a little bit, and you know I don't know. It's I thought it was great. I thought it was great. Oh, Leonardo DiCaprio makes an appearance. So has he ever been in this? Oh yeah, he's Catch Me If You Can. Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. Uh, he and oh no, that's the only one though, right? I think that's the only one. Yeah. Yeah, unless there's like a bit part in something, but I don't think so. Yeah. But yeah, I love Catch Me. I own that one too, so. Oh yeah, that's got a really jazzy soundtrack that Williams did. It's really great. Oh man. Walking is so good in that movie. Oh yeah, that's a fantastic movie. I need to do a uh, Spielberg, like, just watch all of his movies it's, in order. I'm telling you, it's, it's, un- when you watch this documentary, it makes you want to just watch his entire catalog. Like, I, yeah, they, they talk about Lincoln. Uh, Daniel Day Lewis is in this, and I'm just like, I want to watch Lincoln again. I mean, I want to, there's just, I want to go back and watch, um, you know, Close Encounters. I want to watch E.T. Do again. They talk, do they talk about Duel? Yes, they do. Oh, that's cool. They do I talk about Duel. Duel was really neat. Well, he talks about the ending of Duel, and he talks about, it's really, you gotta watch it. It's really cool. Right. He talk, he, I mean, they peel back the curtains a lot in this. Like, it's really cool, especially the Jaws stuff. Like, I was just blown away by some of the, some of the things that kind of happen during the filming of Jaws and they used it to their advantage. Like, I'd say, like, they, they were down a shark. Like, they built the shark and it sunk. And oh so, yeah, this, the Jaws stories are crazy. What Spielberg did with nothing is yes. the miracle of Jaws. So the barrels were like a godsend when they used those in the scene because you didn't need to see the shark; you just saw the barrels. And 
And it really did add something to that film. Like going back and thinking about it, like, like we knew what was dragging those barrels. It's just, it's so, it's, it's such a great documentary. It's, does he admit to directing Poltergeist in the documentary? <laughs> uh, I know exactly. I know where you're going with this. That's, yeah, it's, um, <sighs> do they talk about that? Do they broach that at all? They bring up Poltergeist, but they didn't bring up that topic. Yeah. That's, uh, that's not I, discussed. I, 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 that would piss Spielberg off, and I'm sure they got his complete cooperation yeah. with this. So, it, it, And they really didn't talk a lot about Poltergeist at all. I mean, they showed it, but it wasn't one of those. I I was kind of thinking to myself, oh, my God, are they going to get into this? And they didn't. So, yeah. yeah. That's too bad. That's too bad. I would yeah. like to see a documentary about that. I, I guess the facts are, are just what we know, so that you really couldn't show much. Yeah. But uh, that's a fascinating subject to me. Uh, what What do you got this week? Uh, I wanted to talk about a couple weeks ago. I got the Super Nintendo Classic. Uh, we were talking about things that are in short demand and hard to get. Um, I, I know that they're still a little bit hard to get, but they really have been easier to get than the Nintendo Classic. Like I've seen them in stores a couple of times now since launch, and I know a lot more people that have got this system than the last system. So it really does seem like Nintendo has made good on their promise to have a little bit more supply this time. And this is still just kind of the first wave of it. There's still going to be more coming out for Black Friday and more coming out for Christmas. So, and I've even noticed on eBay, just looking around out of curiosity, that these aren't going as hot as the uh, Nintendo Classics were. And I think a lot of that is based on the fact that a lot more people that want this thing to actually play it and not be an asshole flipper with it are actually getting their hands on this thing ah, you nintendo apologists they're hoarding them jake stop it uh, i'm not apologizing for the fiasco that was the nintendo classic but i really do applaud them for making this a lot easier just make it available to everybody stop it with your fucking hype nintendo just just fucking come out with enough systems and let everybody have one you know yeah why why they don't just have pallets of these things sitting in every retail market is right like I, i'll never get that yeah but at least this is a little bit easier to get than last time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the Super Nintendo Classic. It's just one of those plug-and-play consoles. It has 21 games preloaded onto it. Uh, it comes with two controllers this time instead of one, like the NES Classic, which is fantastic because there's so many great two-player games on here, and you don't have to deal with trying to... The NES Classic was also notoriously shitty because you had to hunt down that second NES paddle even after you could get the NES Classic in the first place. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that's a double fuck you. (laughs) It is the double fuck you because the controllers were almost harder. I think they made less of that accessory than they did the actual system. So that was even a rougher gamble. So Nintendo, Nintendo is the Szechuan sauce of video games. (laughs) I, I, it was not the worst analogy. I'll give you that. (laughs) But yeah, they give you two controllers this time. So that is fantastic. And just the lineup of games on this thing is just incredible. Like, there's 21 games, and probably six of these are, like, in my top, like, 20 games of all time. It's just such good stuff, like uh, Contra 3, Final Fantasy 3, Mega Man X, Secret of Mana, Star Fox, Castlevania 4, Mario Kart, uh, Legend of Zelda. There's even a game that's never been released before. It's the sequel to Star Fox that they decided to scrap because they were moving on to the next console. And the developers thought they were kind of being a little bit too different with the ideas that were they were presenting in this game compared to Star Fox 1. So they just kind of scrapped it and started over with uh, Star Fox 64 for the Nintendo 64. But the game was completed and just never released. And finally everyone gets to see 
what the hype was here with it and whether or not, you know, it was worth not putting out. Um, I'm going to Tupperware this thing. I absolutely love it. Um, me and Michelle have just been playing the shit out of this thing ever since we've got it. It's almost like we can't even decide what to play next. Uh, we've mostly been playing Donkey Kong Country so far. Michelle's been playing Zelda. Uh, sometime, I believe, in the next week, me and Matt Kirby are going to do a one-off podcast where we do a top 10 countdown of what our top 10 favorite games on the Super NES Classic are, which I think will be a lot of fun, and I'll be able to expand on a bunch of these different games and what I really love about them and some of the childhood experiences I had what's, when these games first came out. What's more fun than actually playing video games than listening to two guys talk about them? <laughs> I, don't, I, I actually I think A is – I still think the playing the games is more fun. <laughs> I'm just no. I'm just man. I don't know. I'm just. I'm getting chills thinking about you guys talking about pushing buttons and watching characters dance around on screen and throw shit. I'm just Brian. This thing's got two controllers and Street Fighter Two Turbo Hyper Fighting. I know, dude. I I, I, grew, <laughs> I was a fucking video game player growing up. I didn't stop playing video games until 2005. Something something happened in 2005 or something where I just was like, I don't have time for this shit anymore. It's expensive. Whatever. I don't know. I, I, you know, I grew up playing games all the time. I, I, you know, Mega Man, Mega Man Two, Mike Tyson's Punch Out. You know, I, I Contra. I mean, I, I know the Konami code. You know. So, oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! You know, I. Oh, I know you do. I, I fucking had all the the Nintendo Power magazines. I had Game Pro magazines. I had I had Game Pro number one. You know, all th- up through I think you know like their first four or five years that they had the magazine. I, I used to play video games all the time. You know, so. Yeah, my only complaints about this thing, if, if I'm going to dig into that, would be that there's no way to go back to the menu selection of games with the controller, and that to do that, you have to physically hit the reset button on the console. Uh, it's, it's a minor complaint, but it would be nice if there was just a way you could, you know, hit start and select at the same time and just be instantly picking through all the games again. Now listen to you sounding like Trekkie 1981 over there. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> The cords are really short. Um, they're not as short as they were with the Nintendo. They're uh-huh. a little bit longer than that, but they're still a little bit shorter than they should be. Um, it's pretty easy to buy adapters that cost about five bucks that can add anywhere from you know five to twelve feet of cord. And if you actually buy this thing to play and you play it a lot, that's probably an investment you will end up doing. So yeah, cords. <laughs> I know we've come to this. Oh, man. <laughs> this thing is too much, man. Oh, I, I love it so much. I can't wait to play more. That's oh, cool. Yeah, Super I mean, Nintendo Classic. You're like the old... I wish I could go back in time and give, like, 10-year-old Jake the Super Nintendo Classic and a HDTV and fucking blow his brains out. I Give him a blowjob? What? No, just like... Just like... He would just be so... He couldn't believe it. Like, he... This thing would blow my mind as a kid. Oh, okay. Uh, it's like all my favorite Christmases on this one toy. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I get it. And, you know, you can give him some Joel Cole while you're at it because it's back on shelves. So. I know. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I would uh, – I could probably – I could definitely see myself getting sucked down a retro gaming rabbit hole if I started to play these games. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. it's it's definitely very fun. I just it's wish crazy. that the, the Sega, what was it, the Sega Genesis one that they came out with would have been released in the U.S., not just Brazil. Yeah, you know, they have one of, one of those here that you can get pretty wide release that's made by the same people that do the Atari flashback stuff. Yeah. 
but it is really janky. It's got the game selection is fantastic, but the controllers are unresponsive. Oh wow! And it's not like the classic Genesis. So like yeah. if you try to play Mortal Kombat on it with non-responsive controllers, yeah. it just makes the whole thing not fun and yeah, frustrating. Exactly. I just you know, I want to play some. I want to play some Golden Axe. You know, I, I want to play some uh, Altered Beast. You know, I want to go back and play some of those old Sega games that I really liked. My favorite Genesis game of all time was Toe Jam and Earl. I never really got into Toe Jam and Earl. I was more of a Sonic guy. Yeah, yeah. Sonic's pretty fun, too. I just recently downloaded Sonic on my Apple TV, and that is an exercise in frustration trying to mm-hmm. play Sonic the Hedgehog with your Apple TV remote. I gave up on that pretty quickly. I had the uh, Sonic... CD. It was the one that when the Sega CD came out, I had the Sonic game. Oh, yeah. And I loved that. I thought it was so much fun. So. Yeah, the Sonic games were cool. I, I remember the one on the Dreamcast was a big showcase game, too. Yeah. Yep. Uh, let's see here. Do you have anything else for Good Pop, Bad Pop? No, just the other stuff that we're going to joint talk together. Okay. I uh, watched uh, the first three, four episodes of Big Mouth, that show that Rebecca talked about last yes. week. I you know I love it. I think it's fantastic. It's uh you know it's Nick Kroll and John Mulaney and uh, Jason Mansukas. You know I, I those guys. I think they're hilarious anyway. I'm not I, I'm not too big on John Mulaney. I, I watched him on that Hello Broadway thing that uh, Nick Kroll special on Netflix that they did together. And I okay that started off Jake the first half hour. I'm like what am I watching here? And uh, it was called Hello Broadway on Broadway, I believe. And then, um, correction Tuesday, me, if I'm wrong, please, people. But it was, they played, they play these characters, these old Jewish men, and it's so weird in the first 30 minutes, but like, by the end of it, like, I'd say once they get about half hour in, you start to understand these characters and just how weird and eccentric this whole comedy act is. It's like a two-man show. It, it's brilliant. It, I thought it was some of the funniest shit I've ever seen. And this is the Hello Broadway? Yeah, this is, I'm talking about this now. But, okay. uh, and there's some cameo appearances in it that are just amazing. Um, I think you should watch this, Jake. I think you'd really get a kick out of, like, who shows up later in the uh, special. So How do I, how do I watch that? It's how on Netflix. Watch? Okay. It's on Netflix. Um, but it's, it, the first half hour is really weird. But anyway, John Mulaney, I've, I've never seen him really do a lot of stand up and I, I, I haven't, I'm not a huge fan. Uh, my sister loves him, thinks he's hilarious. And that John Mulaney show on Fox was just terrible. But, um, he's really good in this. And, um, I, you know, the kids are going through puberty and, and Rebecca was right. Like these puberty monsters are just hilarious. They, it's really funny. And it's, it's just, it's really R rated kind of comedy. It's, it's, it's really good shit. So I give it a yeah. Tupperware so far. Three, four episodes in. I, I want to keep watching. I'm going to finish the whole thing. So yeah, from Rebecca's description last week, I think I even said it on the episode. I, I knew this sounded like your fair. I knew you were probably no. going to like it. Hey, you remember that? You remember the animated show Duck Man? Oh, I loved Duck Man. It had Jason Alexander as yeah. the lead. Yeah, Jason Alexander. He's got a new show coming out on uh, the Audience Network. Um, oh, really? The yeah. uh, Direct TV channel. Yes, it's called. Uh, what's it called? Hit the Road. It's coming out on October seventeenth, I believe. Animated? It's, no, it's a. Uh, it's not animated. It's live. Oh. It's like a live action comedy. But I'm going to watch that and see how that goes. I've been really impressed with Mr. Mercedes on that channel. So, is that still running? Yeah, yeah, it's still running. Um, I think they've got like I think they're in like 10, 10 or eleven episodes so far. So, 
Oh wow! Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm like two episodes behind, but it's still fantastic. So, all right, uh, let's talk about. I know, I know, we're not at Marvel news yet, but let's talk about the gifted on Fox. Jake, uh, in a world where mutated humans are treated <laughs> with distrust and fear, an institute for mutants battles to achieve peaceful coexistence with humanity. So what did you think about The Gifted on Fox, the new X-Men TV show? Um, it was decent enough. I was, I guess I was a little bit slightly let down for it. Yeah. I, I had a lot of hype for it. There was a lot of, uh, critic hype for it, I think, before it aired. Yeah. Um, I didn't dislike it by any means. Um, I thought the premise was good. I, I thought the actors were decent enough, um, Hard to not make comparisons with season one heroes here, I think, when you're watching it with the, uh, a lot of the actors' choices and, you know. And that's uh, not, not to be unfair to it, because season one heroes is very much, you know, the X-Men story as well anyway. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I was, I was kind of disappointed. I didn't think there was, I, I love the premise and I love kind of the plot through lines that happened, mm-hmm. but I didn't think anyone had very much charisma in the show. I, there's no one that I've really fallen in love with yet as a character. Yeah. And so, so far that's the fault I have with it. Yeah. Steven Moyer, I was hoping that he would be able to, to do a really good job. And I'm, I'm going to give it a very mild taste it. You know, it was just middle of the road. I honestly, I feel like some of the critics that watched this that were hyped for it had to have been the critics that saw this originally at San Diego Comic-Con. I, I, I feel like with the energy there and I feel like with them not knowing that they were going into the panel, actually going to see the very first episode of this and then getting to see it, I think like the energy in the room was just kind of there and they kind of overhyped this thing. I, 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 I got that it. happens quite often. It at does. Kind of it, conventions. It really does. I mean, it happened. I felt like it happened with uh, what was it? The Woods that turned out to be the Blair Witch sequel. Oh yeah, that's a that's great. I, I hold agree. on. I got to pause. All right, sorry about that. I had a phone call. Anyway, what were you saying? Oh, we were talking about fucking the gifted and just it kind of being disappointed. We were talking yeah. to the comparison between uh, the Blair witch, just the overhype that happens for shows at these comic conventions when yeah. you spring these new things on people and you yeah. show them for the first time. Yeah. When they're already the kind of people that are going to be excited by seeing this thing in the first place. Yeah. And then even some of the critics get kind of caught up in like the energy in the room. So, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it was okay. I, I, I don't know. Uh, do you think that uh, the family that's in the show the kids, do you think? I mean, do you think that uh, their last name Strucker? Do you think that they're supposed to be related to Bar- Baron von Strucker? Um, they probably made it that name on purpose to be cheeky, but I think at the end of the day, there's not going to be any connection there. Oh, I don't either. I mean, Baron von Strucker was used in the MCU, so I don't know if they would like let Fox have that direct connection with this, even though they've been working hand in hand with. Uh, with them on these Marvel series, these Marvel Fox mutant series, like with Legion. So, um, yeah, I mean, but it's, it's disappointing. I was really hyped going into this though. Yeah. 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 It was all right. I I don't, I I think, I don't think I'll be watching it anymore. I think I'm going to watch one more hour. Really? Yeah. I felt like it felt like half of a pilot to me. Yeah. So I'm going to give it that second half to, to kind of see what the through line is going to be for the season. I kind of get it, though. It's just like Sentinel Service is going to be chasing them. 
you know? Yeah. And now, yeah, now they got to get reunited with Daddy because Daddy went into Blink's little portal, you know? And it, it's going to do everything it can do to make sure it doesn't, like, mess up any continuity and the other stuff. So All right, in that way, it's... What's better, this or Inhumans? Oh, this by Leagues. Yeah. Unless you're watching, unless you want a show that's purposely ridiculously bad. So see, that's what, that's what I think is hilarious on Facebook. People get on there and they're pitting crap against crap. Oh yeah, I think this crap's better than this crap. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, big, this, I'm a bigger fan of this crap than that crap. This big dump I took is better than that big dump I took. Yeah, exactly. This one's stink. that one had some peanuts in it. And yeah, kinda hurt a bit. Yeah. This one's uh, this one's got a better consistency, and yeah, uh, yeah. I don't it's know. longer. I was able to not cut it off as fast. Oh, please, please tell me which piece of shit you enjoyed more. I don't. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, it's like, yeah. whatever. I, I do. I I don't know. That's a complete toss it though. And this I at least taste. Yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. This looked quality. It looked it looked decent. It looks like they spent more money here than on Inhumans, and they didn't have that IMAX money. Yeah. Jeez. It's ridiculous. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll do news. Break it up. Fucking people listen to this stuff, Jake. It's weird. Yeah, I know. It takes all types. Yeah. All right, it's time for uh, Pop Culture Leftovers News. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. All right. Hey, what's, uh, what's Guillermo del Toro think about the new Hellboy? What does he think? That's what we're about to find out, you son of a bitch. I bet he doesn't like it. David Harbour is the new Hellboy. David Harbour is uh, Jim Hopper, the sheriff from Stranger Things, if you need a face to put with that name. He, uh, anyway, Guillermo del Toro talked with screen, a screen geek. How many variations of geek and screen? And, you know what I mean? Are there Shit, out fuck. there? What is it like? like screen, screen, there's, what is it? There's that screen junkies, screen fuckers, uh, sc- screen rant, uh, there's, uh, geek, geeks, den of geeks, there's. We, we should change our name to Pop Geek. Or, uh, oh man. Pop, <laughs> pop geeks, pop geeks on the screen. <laughs> pop geeks on the screen? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Screen it up with Pop Geeks and we can say that every week. Thanks for screening it up with us Pop Geeks this week, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Pop Geeks. Don't forget to use your screen. That's just stupid. You know, it's like... Screen out all the bullshit. You got uh, half of these websites out there have have screen in the name, and then the other 50% have geek, and these geniuses combined them both. Screen geek. (laughs) 
<laughs> they were like, how do we corner both markets? Let's call each other screen geek. Ah, oh, stupid. Whatever. They won. They, they won. won. Big fucking winners. Uh, they, anyway, Guillermo del Toro was talking with these assholes. And uh, this is what um, Guillermo del Toro had to say about uh, the new actor playing Hellboy. Quote, I mean, I like him. I don't know him. And I'm not involved with the movie. But I sure wish them luck. Man, he's a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> wow, he, he might as well, give a fuck. Uh, he might as well. Stop asking me questions about this. He might as well just said like, well, I've never heard the guy raped any kids. Yeah. You know, like, seems like a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard about him, you know, uh, running over any elderly people. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Yeah, don't – stop asking Del Toro questions about Hellboy. He does not want to hear them. Yeah, same – I mean, oh, my gosh. All of his franchises are being stolen from him, Jake. The <laughs> Pacific Rim, which we're going to talk about, Hellboy. You know, I honestly – I feel like, though, I feel like once – I think he's going to – I think once this new uh, this new movie he's got coming out, The Shape of Water, I think when that comes out, I think he's going to get a lot of uh, notoriety for that film. It looks good. I mean, last time I checked Rotten Tomatoes, it was 100%. I know it hasn't yeah. been, like, widely released yet. I mean, this has just been from, like, the two or three festivals it's been at. But, I mean, it's, you know, critics are going nuts over this fucking thing. So. Yeah, the trailer's fantastic, too. So, yeah, it is really good. Um, What have we got here? Oh, this is for you, Jake. Rumored casting for a film project, and this news comes from PW Insider. Exclusive, huge Hollywood name offered role of Vince McMahon in biopic. Did you hear about oh, this? Oh, well, who's playing Vince? Well, offered the role doesn't mean that he's going to take the role. Uh, there's been some movements on the planned cinematic biopic on WD, uh, WWE's Vince McMahon, Pandemonium which is being put together by TriStar and WWE Studios. The current strategy is to try and attach an A-level name to the project in order to fast-track the project. An offer was made several weeks ago to representatives of Academy Award nominee Bradley Cooper with the idea of Cooper starring as McMahon, according to a well-placed source familiar with the project. Whether Cooper is receptive to the idea remains to be seen, but PWInsider.com has confirmed the offer was made. Wow, that's awesome. I've never thought about who would play Vince, but now that you say Bradley Cooper, I really like it. Uh, I yeah. can't stop thinking about how much he looks like Vince. Kinda. He does. He does. Um, so I I don't know if it's actually going to happen. Um, it looks like uh, who's involved in this project. The script to Pandemonium was written by Craig A. Williams, who wrote Disney's live-action Underdog adaptation a few years back, Jake. Oh, dude, that was awesome. So, uh... Fucking Underdog. Yeah, but yeah. Before you said, um, Bradley Cooper, I was thinking, um, Brian Cranston, possibly. Yeah, I like Bradley I, Cooper. I like Bradley Cooper better, too. I yeah. just was trying to brainstorm who who could be this guy. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're wanting to show somebody that could be like the younger McMahon all the way up to the way he is now with some, you know, prosthetics and makeup, I think Cooper would be the guy. Yeah, yeah. I 
that would be great. I don't know. I don't know that this movie should be made, though. I, this kind of thing, I always think it's best to wait until the person isn't among us anymore. Yeah, because you can get real. Yeah. And just exactly. like wrestling, you can get raw. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think Vince would have too much involvement with this. So it, do I. It would just be ridiculous. Well, I mean, I, it's, it's being put together by TriStar and WWE Studios. So this is basically going to be like the new – and I know people are so excited for this new Queen movie, Bohemian Rhapsody, with Mally Ramek who does look really good in the role of Freddie Mercury. But, like, when Sasha Baron Cohen wanted to be on the project, it was supposed to be rated R, it was supposed to be gritty, and it was supposed to really get into some of, like, the dirt in this guy's life and some of, like, the some of the bad shit that happened. And, like, this movie is, like, the remaining members of Queen are, like, really trying to keep this more... Yeah, a glorification. Yeah, and I hear it's going to be like PG-13, which is like, fuck that. So like, yeah, yeah, I feel like this is going to be the, it's, you know, being put together by WWE Studios. And like, McMahon's not going to want to make himself, put himself in a bad light. And I'm sure like the guy to get where he's at had to have done some fucked up shit, I'm sure. I'm sure he's yeah, not exactly, perfect. Exactly. So. It's a, a, probably a lot like the the founder story a little yeah, bit. Yeah, exactly. With the way he kind of came over and ran over territories and yeah. took people over. I know. He, he totally screwed over Jack Tunney. I'm, I'm kidding. That's a <laughs> <laughs> Jack Tunney. Jack nice, Tunney. nice pullback. Dude, I grew up watching wrestling, man. I was a fucking wrestling fan, dude. So... <laughs> I mean, oh man, yeah. They on the show they'd have Vince McMahon having to defer to Jack Tunney. Oh, I remember. Oh my yeah. god, yeah, I remember. <laughs> I mean, it's just I don't know, man. It's like you find out Santa Claus isn't real, the Tooth Fairy isn't real, then you find out wrestling's fake, and you're out. That's just that's what happened. So yeah, anyway, yeah. but yeah, Cooper uh, Bradley Cooper actually appeared briefly on a June 2007 episode of Monday Night Raw promoting the feature film. The A team, where he played <laughs> face. So who knows what kind of relationship he has with the WWE. This may or may not happen. So I don't know. We'll see. I, yeah, you're yeah. right. I well, mean, that means he has zero relationship with the WWE. I mean, they, they have people on almost all, all the time, especially back when the A team was coming out. They, whoever would be in the audience to promote the movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's just the studio paying the actors to, to be there. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, Hugh Hefner passed away, and now Brett Ratner. That sucks, man. We've lost uh, Hugh Hefner and uh, Tom Petty recently, man. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty upset about Tom Petty, but... So was I. The other one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he got buried in that little uh, sailor hat? Um, ooh, I don't know. <laughs> you think they kept that little sailor hat on him? No, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, the, the Tom Petty stuff really hit me hard, though. Yeah, me too, Probably man. one of the biggest musician deaths in my life. I, I've seen him live three times, twice with my mom, who recently passed away. And so there's a lot of feelings that dug up yeah. there. I heard uh, I heard another podcast talking about it, and what they said made a lot of sense to me. Because I, as I was doing notes for the week, uh, notes for this week's show, um, I I was listening. I had like Tom Petty on Spotify just going the entire time. But yeah, it, it was one of those things. I listened to another podcast. They were kind of talking about the death of Tom Petty because they had talked about him on previous episodes, and they were like, you know what? 
Like it's almost like Tom Petty never left. It's Tom Petty's. It's like he'll never die though, because no. the only relationship we had to him, with him, was his music, and we can still listen to his music anytime. I mean, it's always there for us. So in our hearts, Tom Petty is always alive in some way, and it, like that kind of like really fantastic. It kind of like really hit me. Like, yeah. Tom Petty is always with us, you know. I mean, we can I can always go back and listen to those songs. Like, you know, I grew I grew up on Tom Petty and Yeah. The so. status I put on my Facebook when I found out was Tom Petty never stopped being cool. No one ever outgrew Tom Petty. Yeah. And I mean that's that's the truth of it, right? I mean, it was he it's not like the all the other stuff kind of from that era just kinda isn't anywhere near as timeless as the Tom Petty, you know. Oh no, I mean Tom Petty was like you know, like, uh, when all these other bands were coming out and, you know, the, the grunge shit, you know, Tom Petty was free falling, you know? Oh, yeah. He, Mary Jane's Last Dance was it, fucking huge when I was in high school so, when that so, came out. Oh, I know. Same here. I remember going to Jay's fucking house after, every day after school, we'd always like go back there and turn on MTV. And that song was always on, that, that video was always playing that and fucking REM and I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, know. that that really hit me up. Um, you can watch his entire last concert he performed from like a month and a half ago on YouTube pretty easily in full HD. Um, I, I did. I really enjoyed it. I actually strongly recommend it. You know, I was so. I was watching that Audience Network. Um, <laughs> this is fucked up. I was watching that Audience Network, and every once in a while they have like like live like performances from bands and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, some, every, yeah, sometimes country. You know that uh, you know that singer Lord. Yeah, I was like, I was like, who the fuck is this? And I was like, sitting there doing notes for the show, and I was just like, eh, anyway, now she's talking to the audience. Look at her, look at her talking. Who the fuck is this? And she started singing. I'm like, fucking a. I don't want to admit that I actually like this song. What the, what the fuck is going on here? I'm oh, like, yeah. I'm like, oh, it's great. I, I, that, that's the fucked up thing. Is like I really wanted to like fucking hate this girl, and then I'm like, I, I yeah, I've heard this song. I like it. Um, <laughs> wait, I will wait till she gets to her next one. Then I'll make fun of her. Fucking hell, this is good too. I'm like, god damn it. I'm I'm almost forty. I should not like Lord. She's touring with uh, Run the Jewels, and I'm seriously considering picking up t- tickets. Are about seventy bucks. Yeah, yeah. She's uh, she's talented, man. Does she write all of her own music? <laughs> Listen to me. Yeah, she, <laughs> she she's the real deal. She's like the singer songwriter. See, the and, thing uh, is, uh, Jake, I'm I'm watching this, and like the first thing that's coming to my head, I'm thinking about saying something smart ass about it, like to myself, you know. And I do that all the time with everything. I'm like, ah, look at the look at these poor. Like ninety percent of these people here are women, and the other ten percent are the fucking guys that got dragged to this fucking show by their girlfriends. <laughs> and then and, you know, like, oh, look at this asshole bopping his head. He wants to get fucked tonight. Yeah, <laughs> somebody somebody promised him some anal tonight. And then like then then I'm like then I'm one of these assholes bopping my head too. It's fucked yeah. up, Jake. And you're you're not even like getting any from it. I know, I know. <laughs> so it's legitimate nodding. Yeah, that's fucked up. Anyway. <laughs> I'll have to check that out. That was a that was a fun aside. I'm really excited um, for the Tom Petty stuff because I'm sure they're going to do a really awesome tribute. 
Uh, they have a thing called Petty Fest that they, I think they've done since 2012 already, mm. where yeah. a bunch of like famous musicians and celebrities go and do one concert a year where everyone covers different Tom Petty songs. They should have came out with uh, like a tie-in marketing for uh, Silly Putty and called it Tom Petty Silly Putty, Tom Petty Putty. Silly, silly Petty? Tom, yeah, Tom Tom Putty. That. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff. Though. I saw a great uh, duet between Nora Jones and uh, Kristen Wiig where they yeah. did You Don't Know How It Feels together. Really? Yeah, just you know, a lot of – He played the voice of Lucky on uh, King of the Hill, Luann's – King of the Hill? Yeah, yeah. King of the Hill. He was Luann's uh, husband on that. They started off dating and then they got married and then they had a child. And uh, he was – so when he passed away, I was like, oh, my gosh, him and Luann are in heaven together because, <laughs> like, uh, you know, Brittany Murphy passed away. So – yeah. yeah. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Yeah. It's really sad. So he was in the blockbuster movie, The Postman. Yeah. I remember that. Kevin Costner. Yeah. And he yeah. played it was himself. Follow up to Dances with Wolves. He alluded to playing himself. Oh, yeah. You know, he was talking about how he was like a singer songwriter or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen it. It's, yeah. it's terrible. Penny's yeah. probably one of the best parts of the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When he, that's the only part I remember, Jake. <laughs> The post-apocalyptic postman. Well, see, that's the thing. Like, why did why did Costner do that shit? Like, he did it with uh, Waterworld. He loves that storyline. Yeah, like <laughs> world's covered in water. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. How are you gonna get your mail now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How are you gonna get your mail now? <laughs> Waterworld is the biggest Mad Max ripoff of all time. Oh though. no, shit! Do you remember those? Uh, <laughs> you remember those death cigarettes? Yes, yes. I bought some. Those are real cigarettes. You could have bought them. Like back in the 90s, they, I went to a smoke shop, and death cigarettes were a real cigarette. I bought a pack. Dude, it was like sucking on air. I was like, what the fuck is this shit? I was like, I spent like seven bucks or whatever the fuck I spent for these cigarettes just so I could carry around a black box with a skull on it that said death. And it's like, these are like light cigarettes. I'm like, if you're going to call them death, it should fucking be like sucking down it should be like marlboro and clove fucked each other and that's what i'm smoking yeah yeah that's not good i hate clove cigarettes i hate cloves too cloves are disgusting but if you have a cigarette called death that's what i would imagine it would be it would be the love child of a fucking marlboro and a clove yeah worse than a clove a death cigarette should be i agree yeah anyway hugh hefner's dead uh jared leto wants to yeah that was a kind of a that was insincere that was horrible what i just said yeah, whatever. Yeah. Jared Leto wants to play um, Hugh Hefner, I guess. Uh, Jared Leto, this is from THR. Jared Leto will play the Playboy mogul in Brett Ratner's planned project. Brett Ratner, what are you thinking? Brett Ratner doing Hugh Hefner? Oh, my God. That's going to be her- terrible. I mean, he's I'm... been working on this thing for, since, like, 2007. Oh, it's his baby? Yeah, he's been it, – it's – He's been working on this thing since 2007. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. had once been attached to play Hugh Hefner. Um, it's, now, it's a juicy role, but yeah. ah, you'd think you'd get a better filmmaker than Brett Ratner to tackle the subject. Ex- yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so that's kind of fucked up. I honestly just, I mean, Amazon's got that docuseries, American Playboy, the Hugh Hefner story. Check that out. Watch that. It's it's really good. So Yeah. A lot of that stuff just really creeps me out, to be honest, with the Hugh Hefner stuff. And, like, after hearing all the confessions from a lot of the people that were, you know, the Playboy bunnies and all that kind of stuff, it kind of, like, really shines a pretty negative light on Hugh, for me at least. Yeah. yeah. So, 
pretty weird. Some weird shenanigans going on in the Playboy Mansion, I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the lifestyle that he created, though, you know? That Playboy yeah. lifestyle, so, you know? I don't know. We have a uh, new synopsis for Pacific Grim Uprising, and the uh, trailer dropped. We'll talk about that. Did you watch the trailer? Yeah, I've seen it. All right. The new synopsis is uh, the globe-spanning conflict between otherworldly monsters of mass destruction and the human-piloted supermachines built to vanquish them was only a prelude to the all-out assault on humanity in Pacific Rim Uprising. John Boyega stars as the rebellious Jake Pentecost, a once-promising Jaeger pilot whose legendary father gave his life to secure humanity's victory against the monstrous kaiju. So that was Stacker Pentecost in the previous film, played by Idris Elba. Anyway, uh, Jake has since abandoned his training, only to become caught up in a criminal underworld. But when an even more unstoppable threat is unleashed to tear through our cities and bring the world to its knees, he is given one last chance to live up to his father's legacy by his estranged sister, Mako Mori, played by Rinko Kikuchi, who was in the original films. She's back. Who is leading a brave new generation of pilots that have grown up in the shadows of war as they seek justice for the fallen. Their only hope is to unite together in a global uprising against the forces of extinction. So, uh, yeah, Jake is joined by gifted rival pilot Lambert, uh, played by Scott Eastwood, and 15-year-old Jaeger hacker Amara, Played by a newcoming actor, Kaylee Spaney, as the heroes of the PPDC become the only family he has left, rising up to become the most powerful defense force to ever walk the earth. They will set course for a spectacular, all-new adventure on a towering scale. So, it's directed by Stephen Stephen S. Denight, who was the showrunner for Netflix's Daredevil first season, and then stars Spartacus and... Burn Gornham's back, uh, Charlie Day's back, Rinka Kikuchi's back, Ron Perlman's out, Charlie Hunnam's out. So, yeah, um, we'll talk, I'll talk a little bit more about the details here in a moment. You saw the trailer, what'd you think? Uh, I, I was a little bit underwhelmed by it. it. It doesn't look like a bad movie, but it was like, I don't know, it, it didn't really look like it had much, like, any kind of super artistic, creative stuff going on. It mm. was just kind of the cookie-cutter Pacific Rim movie, it kind of seemed like to me, which was, I don't know, kind of disappointing. Lots of missiles. What <laughs> do you think? Lots of robots. Uh, so, you know, in the trailer, I, I did. I really liked the scene of the little girl watching the, the Jaeger, the scale of the Jaeger, the size of the Jaeger with the little girl on the ground. I thought that that was a really cool scene, just seeing how big and massive these are. And it really got a point got across the point to me like this is humanity's only hope like are these jaegers but then in the trailer you see jaegers fighting jaegers and people are like oh man jaegers fighting jaegers i mean it's it, does it come down to like this is training like riko kikuchi that she's got her own like class where she teaches these up-and-coming pilots that we're just watching like a like a sparring battle right oh yeah and that's all it is. It's not – I don't think it's civil war between Jaegers. Right, right, by right. By any means. It's not the Iron Man versus Cap of, the, of Pacific Rim going on. I think yeah. it's, just a, it's just a fun thing they're doing. Yeah. Like yeah. a training simulation. Right, yeah. Yeah, so. I completely agree. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. I just 
just nothing about the trailer really there wasn't ever really that oh shit moment mm-hmm. like there kind of tried to be with like let us let us show you the biggest kaiju possible moment i guess but none, none of it really did to me it, it almost like the direction looked very power rangery to me mm-hmm. the way it kind of moved around and focused on the uh different jaegers i'm really worried about that gigantic kaiju monster and they kind of showed that casting a shadow over like the four to five Jaegers that were in the city there. And I'm thinking to myself, are they going to fucking go Voltron on this? Are they going to go Mighty Morphin <laughs> Megazord on Pacific Rim? I think the answer is yes. It looked really power, like really power rangery to me. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just worried about them like forming up into one giant robot. I think it, I, I think it will. Uh. I think they're holding that out probably for the second trailer. I'd, not ra- the movie. I'd rather see like just Jaegers like taking on a giant kaiju. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like do some cool shit. Like we saw like with Legolas fighting, you know, when we saw Legolas like running up and down on those big creatures and taking them out and shit like that. Like, let's just see some kaijus, you know, <laughs> fucking up a big, fucking up a big, uh, see some Jaegers fucking up a big kaiju or something. I don't know. Yeah. I agree. Am I outlandish in thinking this looks too clean and crisp too, and that's kind of weird to my eye? No, it doesn't look as uh, as gritty. You know what I mean? It, yeah, it looks like more like Bayformers. Yes, yes, it looks just so pristine and crisp, yeah. and like, and that to me, that's kind of a little bit against what the first Pacific Rim was, and that, yeah. that's a little bit disheartening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I so, think, and yeah. I know a lot of people will say, well, you know, in the first one, they do it at night and in dark and in the rain, you know. That's not they, always true. There was the fight in Australia. Yeah. There was the battle in Australia that took place during the day. But, yeah, I don't – At the, I also don't want things looking crystal clear pristine, too. I right. think that makes things look just as unreal as trying to mask it, you know. I agree, man. I totally just, agree. Just like what you were talking about with, like, the Spielberg and the Jaws, you know. Yeah. It doesn't – if you film it correctly, you can have the emotion and the power. It's not yeah. all about flexing the uh, CG muscle. Yeah. Well, we've got descriptions of all the new Jaegers that we're going to see in this film. Um, and I want to go over some of those. Maybe this will get you a little bit more excited. Of course, uh, yeah, Gypsy from, um, what did they call it in the first one? Was it Gypsy Danger? That sounds right. This It's now called Gypsy Avenger. And um, Gypsy Avenger, this news comes from Screen Rant. Gypsy Avenger has a new weapon called the Gravity Sling, which allows it to lift up buildings and cars and launch them at kaiju enemies. Um, that sounds safe for people living in the city. <laughs> um, I love how it's specifically designed to basically cause mass destruction. Right. I hope these cities have been evacuated is all I'm saying. Like, and then we've got we've got this Jaeger over here that's designed to knock over buildings on top of the kaiju. It's, it's, it, uh, the, the gravity sling is being used. That they Jaeger picks up a building, swings it at the kaiju as People explode out onto the ground. Uh, yeah. Oh, ridiculous. It's designed to take up all the dead bodies and use them yeah. as fuel supply for it. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Man. So, yeah, the Gypsy Avenger has this new wep- weapon called the Gravity Sling. Um, I mean, I was blown away in the first movie when it had, like, that retractable sword. 
yeah, that was cool enough, right? But at yeah. this point, like, we've seen that so much in so many different movies, right? Between the Bayformers and the yeah. uh, Power Rangers, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That kind of stuff uh, is played out. Next. I wonder how this movie's going to do. <laughs> it better do. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I think it's going to do great internationally. I think China, Japan, it's going to blow up again. Uh, we'll see if it's got any legs in the U.S. now, now that it, you know, now that uh, more people are aware of Pacific Rim and have seen it since it's come out on video on demand and Redbox and, and I've seen it on like HBO stars, whatever. Um, you know, I, I've introduced quite a few people to it since then. So hopefully word of mouth you know, we'll get people into th- into theaters seeing it. I- I'm ready for like, you know, all these people that are like signing up for Movie Pass. Like, I- I'm ready for like to see like numbers jump up and just by people using Movie Pass. And I, I, you know, yeah, I think I think they I, that could make a significant jump. I think yeah, they're definitely selling a lot of those those Movie Passes. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. When does this come out? Is this February? Am I crazy? What's uh, that? 2018. I think it's uh, is it February 2018? Um, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I I did. I I've got uh, more Jaeger descriptions that I did. Oh, sorry, over. sorry. I was just thinking about maybe Boyega can be a draw here too, depending on you know the Last Jedi and what happens there. Yeah, yeah. I I I wouldn't put him up there yet. Um, you know. Yeah, I mean, he was one of a lot of people's favorite parts of the last Star Wars movie. Yeah, I, I'm just. I think if they follow that up, when I think draw, I'm thinking of like. Tom Cruise, Will Smith, you know, I, like, you know, 10 years ago, Bruce Willis. And you know what I yeah. mean? I'm thinking about those kind of like names. It's always got to be someone's first time though, right? I mean, you know, Independence Day wasn't, Will Smith wasn't the draw yet, quite yet, was he? Yeah, but I'm not, I, but I, I don't know if, if The Last Jedi is going to be the breakout film to get people to go in to see Pacific Rim is what I'm yeah, saying. that's true. And the fact that it's a sequel, I think also scares people away. Even I, if you do have a draw there. Well, I, th- I think I think Star Wars: Last Jedi is going to be huge. I'm just saying I don't know if like Finn's going to be the breakout character of that. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, I meant Pacific Rim two, the sequel, not Last Jedi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Right. I agree. I, I, Movie Pass will probably have more, be more effective on it. I mean, more from than John Boyega's draw power. Well, from but, the trailer, watching Boyega and he's giving the speech, it was just like he was just kind of like a ripoff of his father given the speech in the first film, you know, yeah, just kind of an homage performance. Yeah. To there wasn't character. Like, yeah. It wasn't really like, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess he's coming from the, this criminal underworld, you know, but like how many times have we seen that story before where, you know, the bad boy is now the hero. So, well, hopefully the, tra- hopefully he has a lot of like just fun character moments that just aren't shown in a trailer. I'm not trying to say John Boyega can't, can't act. I just don't know if he's going to be. No, a draw. I don't think you are. I don't think I agree. Right. Yeah, that he's not Tom Cruise, Will Smith, you know, yet or right. maybe never will be. Right. But you know, I crossed my fingers, hoping the best for the guy. Yeah, I'm thinking like if they got, if I'm saying like if they got Chris Pratt in the lead here, like now we've got we we have oh, yeah. somebody with, with some some more star power because you know like you know he really made that character of Star-Lord his own in that film. I mean, he just he just really did it. So, And then know. the one-two punch with having Jurassic World come out just exactly. pretty much cemented him. Exactly. So uh, the next Jaeger is called the Bracer Phoenix. 
So these are, it sounds like like all these all these like names for these Jaegers sound like like Gillette trying to give cool names to their razors, right? <laughs> the bracer Phoenix, the bracer yeah, it's, it's Phoenix, you know, with a it's got the the cool mint strip on the blade, you know. <laughs> it's uh, oh. the the bracer Phoenix is the oldest design of the five main Jaegers in Pacific Rim. Uh, they're all Mark six units, and the bracer Phoenix is a Mark five. The Bracer Phoenix is the real brute force of the fleet and can hold its own with its special ability. This three-pilot rig can allow one pilot to drop down to the Bracer Phoenix's chest area to operate the devastating pair of Vortex Cannons. Ooh. Yeah, that one will obviously be the head chest of the Oh, uh, yeah, when they, when they, when they uh, <laughs> Pacific rim it up and they become like, the Riminator, whatever, yeah. at the end of the movie. Opt- Optimus Rim. <laughs> Optimus Rim. Uh, let's see here. The Guardian Bravo is another brute force Jaeger who has a really cool weapon. Graphic Arc Whip, allowing it to specialize in ranged combat. So if you didn't get enough whips in Wonder Woman, if you didn't get enough whips in uh, Kingsman, the Golden Circle, if you didn't get enough whips in Fifty Shades of Grey, you got more whips here with the Guardian Bravo. Yeah, I really think after Balrog had that nine-ended whip in Fellowship of the Ring, it was all over. They should have just stopped. Yeah, I mean, jeez. Why follow that up? Uh, the Titan Redeemer. <laughs> These names. <laughs> that last one. That last one was obviously an arm, by the way. What's that? The last one uh, that you, the last Jaeger you mentioned, had to be an arm. Oh, Guardian Bravo. Yeah. Uh, left Those arm. Those range whipped attacks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's that. It's the it's the left arm, right? All right. Uh, yeah, I couldn't decide which arm, but definitely yeah. an arm. Uh, yeah. The Titan Redeemer is easily <laughs> recognizable thanks to the Ball of Death attached to the end of its arm. I honestly feel like watching the trailer. This is the one that got me the most excited. Um, just from the trailer, um, I'm actually excited, more excited for another Jaeger that I'm going to talk about next. But like, this is the one in the trailer that I thought stood out. It was the one that had like that big ball that it would like with the chain or whatever the fuck. Yes. Um, it's, uh, it goes on to say, yeah, the Titan Redeemer is easily recognizable thanks to the ball of death attached to the end of its arm built for brute force and armed with a seismic morning star. Titan Redeemer is the walking (laughs) wrecking ball of the new fleet. It's a pretty cool effect. It's got like what, like the eight different moving rows of yeah. spikes all I, moving. I in thought a it was dope, man. Direction. I thought yeah, it was it dope. Did, it did look like a cool effect. I liked it. Oh, it's not the next one. Here we go. Uh, anyway, the next one is a uh, Saber Athena, orange in color, is the most advanced Jaeger in the fleet. Swift but experimental. It has plasma swords and requires a mastery in martial arts to pilot. So <laughs> that seems that's crazy. So which one's uh, John Boyega's? Gypsy, Gypsy Avenger. It's got to be right. Okay, yeah, that's all speculation. Who's is who's so far? Yeah, I, I would guess that maybe Saber Athena is going to be Rinko Kikuchi's new. Okay, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Would she? Would she? Uh, would she? Would Would she be in? I, maybe Rinko Kikuchi is like looking for a partner, and uh, John Boyega is going to be a new partner. I don't know. And then she dies. I think she's going to die in this one. Uh, and then, yeah, I could see that. And remember, remember, Stacker Pentecost was the only Jaeger pilot who ever manned one of these things by himself. I mean, we might we might see that same ability in his son Jake Pentecost. 
Oh, I, I pretty, I think that's a safe bet that we're definitely going to see him exhibit that ability. <laughs> yeah, that's abs- the whole point of still keeping the lineage, right? Right, exactly. Uh, this last one's called, the last Jaeger's called Scrapper. I can't wait to see this one. I think this is really cool. This is a really cool idea. As a little twist, there's also a little Jaeger called Scrapper. In the future, there's a lot of scavengers stealing materials to build their own Jaegers out of the wrecked husks of old Jaegers and ruins. This plays into the theme that anyone, no matter your background or who you are, could be a hero. I think that's kind of cool. That is cool. How much smaller is this Jaeger? I, you I, I don't remember seeing this one. It's the only one I don't. I can't picture from the trailer. I don't remember seeing it either. Um, I remember seeing all the other ones. Uh, Saber Athena stuck out because of the bright orange color and everything. Uh, but I don't remember seeing Scrapper. But it's a smaller Jaeger, and it's just basically it looks like people, regular people, have built this one to kind of protect themselves. I mean, I think that's kind of cool. I want to see that. Yeah, that is cool. Bringing up the idea of, like, homemade Jaegers is interesting, too. I kind of want to see some of these uh, Mickey Mouse Jaegers. Yeah, I want to see some fucked up Jaegers falling down and shit. Like junk pile Jaegers, you know? That's interesting. All right, moving on from Pacific Rim Talk. Uh, Can you give me one second here? Yeah, well, uh, let's take a break. All right, cool. Greetings, Leftover Army. Pop Culture Leftovers is the people's podcast. They're always looking for new writers and YouTube reviewers to join the team because they themselves aren't talented enough to write them. In all honesty, they're not even sure Frank can read. But their listeners can. So send your reviews to popcultureleftovers at gmail.com, and if the leftovers like it, they'll contact you, and you could see your article featured on popcultureleftovers.com. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Leftover Army. You should follow The Leftovers on Instagram at instagram.com slash popcultureleftovers and on Tumblr at popcultureleftovers2.tumblr.com. If you get a few shots of vodka in you, it's almost as sexy as my voice. That's gangster. All right, yeah, we're back. A little breaky break there. Um... Speaking of breaks, have you had your break today? Who did that? Who who was who was that? Was that McDonald's? Uh, I all I can think of is Kit Kat. No, give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. But remember, there was a. Have you had your break today? Was that McDonald's? I do not know that. It sounds McDonald's. I'm googling it already. Yeah. Have you had your break today? I don't. That does not sound familiar to me at all. Yeah, it was a it was a big time jingle from like McDonald's had a shit ton of them back in the day. Good time, yeah, great taste. That's, that's why this is my place. The good time, great taste. The McDonald's. Oh, yep, that is McDonald's. Yeah, you bet your fucking ass it's McDonald's. Here you go. Yeah. Have you had your break today? Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. McDonald's knows they 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 know the pulse of the nation. Um, everybody needs a little break. Yep, and and that Szechuan sauce, right? Yeah, here we go. Uh, McDonald's issued a statement to our customers and Szechuan sauce lovers. Yesterday, we were truly humbled by the amazing curiosity, passion, and energy this community showed to welcome back Szechuan sauce, even if it even if just for one day. Thank you a million times over. Between the uh, between the costumes, the what, the memes, and the cross state travel, you the fans showed us what you got. 
in our super limited batch, though well-intentioned, clearly wasn't near enough to meet that demand. Not cool. We agree. So we're going to make it right. In the last 24 hours, we've worked to open any portal necessary, and it worked. Szechuan sauce is coming back once again this winter. And instead of being one day only and limited to select restaurants, we're bringing more, a lot more, so that any fan who's willing to do whatever it takes for Szechuan sauce will only have to ask for it at a nearby McDonald's. We want to make this right. You're some of the best fans in this or any dimension, and we plan to deliver on that promise as soon as possible. Stay tuned. Your friends at McDonald's. So all those idiots bidding on this shit on eBay, bet you feel like fucking morons now. Oh, man. I want to go on eBay right now. I bet all the things are just, like, dropping like oh, crazy. Yeah I, yeah, I guarantee. Or people are, like, throwing them up there real quick and, like, buy it now for 50 bucks. Yeah, because yeah. it sounds like they're going to have a month-long promotion is kind of the read I got from that statement. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be in there for a while. Everybody's going to be able to get it, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. D- dummies. Yeah, so, anyway. That's 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 good news. That's good. Good on McDonald's. Yeah. Yeah. Last week I announced uh, that Deadly Class as a TV show coming to Sci-Fi as well as Lazarus coming to Amazon both comic books. I have another comic book coming to television now to talk about, and this news comes from THR. Kyle Killen adapting Ed Brubaker's Velvet for Paramount Network. Uh, the Image Comics graphic novel would be the first original drama from Paramount's television, uh, from Paramount Television, to be developed specifically for the upcoming Paramount Television is getting into the graphic novel business. Now, Paramount Television is not a thing, and it won't be launched until January 18th. That is, it's it's now called Spike TV. Um, they're rebranding. It's going to be Paramount Television. And oh, That's interesting. Yes. I think that's, that's better. I, the Spike thing is way outdated. Yeah. Oh, Spike's terrible. It sounds like 1996, and it always will. Well, the only good thing that was on Spike was back when they used to have, like, The Ultimate Fighter. That's all I watched it for, was that, and I don't know, what else did they have? Like, cops reruns and reruns of Cheaters on there, like, 24 fucking hours a day? I mean, it was that, and then Ultimate Fighter, that MMA show. And yeah, then, Spike, Spike had the WWE license for like two years. Yeah, that's right. They had that too. I used to, when they had Ultimate Fighter. I used to watch it, and then Ultimate Fighter like went onto another network or some shit. But, um, but uh, most recently they had that shitty Miss Show, right? Yeah, they Was had the Spike? Miss Show. It got canceled. Yeah, oh, good. Uh, Killen will pen the script and executive produce via his overall deal with Paramount Television. Keith Redman and Steve Golan of Anonymous Content which recently renewed its overall pact with Paramount TV, will also executive produce. Just so you guys know, anonymous content is behind True Detective, Mr. Robot, The OA, and 13 Reasons Why. So I feel like this rebranding of Spike to Paramount is a good thing. Um, Definitely. When you're looking at, like, uh, anonymous content being involved in this and, like, the caliber of shows behind that. I mean, you can't argue that True Detective Season 1 and Mr. Robot and The OA – and even 13 Reasons Why, they're all pretty damn good shows. So um, No, that is not the normal kind of schleck, I think, of from Spike TV. No, 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 
No, exactly. Um, so what is Velvet about? I've been talking about Ed Brubaker's Velvet. Um, what is it about? I, it's, 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 I, it's a 15, right now it stood at like 15 issues. I think it came out in 2014. I, I think I even reviewed, I don't know if I, I've talked about this comic on the show before. I might have even reviewed like the first issue or two on the show. I'm not sure, but, uh, Velvet, it's an espionage slash adventure series that's set in the seventies, early seventies. And the main character is Velvet Templeton. And she was once a field operative for this top secret, like covert agency called ARC seven. And she, she was in a lot of these missions for them between the years of 1949 and 1956. Back then, I'm guessing she was like in her twenties. So we, they never go into like her exact age in the comics, but we, we know she's definitely over 40 and she leaves the field. And I won't say why, because that gets into spoiler territory, but Velvet Templeton then becomes like the secretary to ARC's seventh director. And then one of their top operatives completes an assassination in Paris. And then when he's trying to leave the city after this assassination, he's murdered. So the ARC seven believes that the killer is somebody who had inside info about this assassination. They start an investigation. Velvet then starts looking into the investigation and evidence points to a former agent by the name of Frank Lancaster as the possible murderer. Velvet, looks up to Frank. She knows this guy. She likes him and she doesn't want to believe that it's him. So she goes to one of the safe houses to talk to him about it to see if he's there. And she finds that he's been stabbed and murdered to death. And so then ARC seven busts into the fucking room and then blames her of treason. And that's where the story begins. And it's fucking awesome. And she's a badass. And, uh, I, I, it's a great Brubaker book. It went 15 issues, and it was like the first arc of the seat uh, of the series. So hopefully, Brubaker is going to come back and do more with this. Did um, he publish that under Image, or did he it, publish it under Marvel's imprint? Image. Image. Okay. Yes. It, yeah, was, it sounded like some classic Brubaker, like crime noir slash espionage yeah, slash action. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really good stuff. It's kind of like. Uh, I don't want to say female James Bond, and I don't want to say atomic blonde either. It's It's got its own feel. Um, but, I mean, I, I think this all really comes down to kind of like casting on who they can get to play Velvet. And, you know, I'm a couple good choices in my – I don't know. I, I like I, – I, I like Connie Britton from uh, American Horror Story and from Nashville and from Friday Night Lights. I, think, I like her a lot too. I think she'd be a good one. And another one that people have been throwing out there, I can't take credit for this one, but is uh, uh, Claudia Black from Stargate SG One and Farscape. And I'm I not familiar with her. She's uh, she's definitely got the look. So um, I, but me, I'm more of a Connie Britton fan. So I'm looking forward to Velvet Man, and I'm, I'm hoping for good things from this network. Um, no, that's that's that sounds like a great show, and it sounds like the right type of thing to rebrand your network with too. Right. Right. I mean, you know, like Ed Brubaker has been doing a lot and I hope Ed Brubaker, uh, Ed Brubaker's involved in this. He, you know, he, he wrote, uh, he wrote an episode of Westworld for crying out loud. So, you know, I'm, yeah. and it was, a, it was a great episode. So I'm hoping that he's involved in this as well. So, yeah, he's, you know, cutting his teeth on some of these TV projects. So, yeah. And that's that's a pretty grand stage to cut your teeth on, you know, a big HBO event series like that. Right. 
Yeah. So, yeah, he's got it in him. Hopefully he is involved in the creative process in this. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Velvet. If you haven't read Velvet, I'm sure it's like two, three trades. Uh, but uh, it's 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 really a good book. Uh, I you know, What else? What other fucking book did he do recently? The, the Fade Out. Oh, man, that's another good one. If you want to need that. And that, I could see that being a series too. Uh, it's called. I the, could see Criminal being a series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Brubaker's got a wealth of material. He does. That easily make the jump. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to Velvet. Um, Marvel news. Let's jump into some Marvel news. News. How many times do you think Trekkie 1981 was bitching at McDonald's about the Szechuan sauce? I don't know. I I doubt he's a Rick and Morty fan. Yeah, well, so he, yeah. he seems like the type that would not find it funny. Yeah, hey, maybe if they had like triple sauce. Yeah, triple that, sauce. Yeah, be all over that. Show. Oh man, Trekkie 1981 would have been like, "Where's my fucking triple sauce? I was <laughs> I, I demand satisfaction." Why didn't you have it come out the first week that the show came out? <laughs> exactly. Why didn't it come out in 1963? <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck, fuck Tracky. Was it? I, yeah. What, what year did Star Trek come out? Was it 63? That sounds that sounds about right. It's uh, 60 something. 68 maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's 60 something. It's one of those. I guess I guess I'm finding out. Yeah. You t- <laughs> <laughs> All right, you looked that up. Uh, Runaways trailer. Yeah. Runaways trailer. Twi- tra- <laughs> Runaways trailer. What'd you think? I actually love this trailer. Did I'm you? Gonna high, I'm going to give it a high taste it. What'd yeah, you like I, about it? It, it made me really excited. I, I, I don't know. I thought, the, I thought the cast looked good. Yeah. I thought it looked fun. I, I didn't think it showed too much, but it, it kind of gave you the gist of yeah. what was going to happen. And all the nerds know what's going to happen anyway. Yeah, yeah, but I think the non-nerds need to know kind of the draw of the show, and I yeah. thought the trailer presented that really well. I thought it was very fun. I taste it. I uh, I liked it too. I honestly, uh, the the beginning of it, I was thinking to myself like, ah, this just feels like you know. And I love these things. I'm not trying to knock them. I felt like ah, this just feels like another CW show, uh, another CW show clone. And, mm. But then it, it it felt like it started to get a little darker, man. You know, in the trailer, I. It, just, you know, the girl tied up in the back of the van and shit like that. It felt like, you know, I was like, oh, my God, wow, okay. So, it did feel really dark. Yeah. It felt like it got all the, like, quick clips of action at the end. There was a lot of dark stuff in there. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I was also excited. This might not mean anything to anybody, but I was excited to see one of the actors in there, Renzi Feliz. He played Spencer on Hulu's Casual, and he was in the second season, and he didn't come back for the third season. And this is why he's been on the Runaways. So I like this actor. He played a uh, he played a young teenager with uh, with cancer in the second season of Casual, and he was a cool fucking kid. And uh, he's going to be in this show, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him in it. So um, I first I, episode of Star Trek aired September eighth, nineteen sixty six. Nineteen sixty six. Yeah. All right. So split split the difference between split, the two guesses. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 
Yeah, Runaways trailer. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you liked it too, though. I was kind of yeah. surprised, and I had the same um, kind of effect with it. Like where, for the first like moment, I was like, "Oh, this is delving into cheesy territory." Yeah. yeah. And then I, and I thought I got away from that really quick. I like that cheese, man. Sometimes I like that cheese, you know. Yeah, exactly. And like, it looked like the kind of show where it was going to kind of maybe get you to laugh and charm you a bit before yeah. it really kind of started. Turn in the wrench, turn in the knife in your gut with yeah. some of the real dramatic stuff it has See, up its sleeve. I would have been watching this, even if it just had that CW feel, I would have been watching it anyway. You know, I'm a sucker for those shows. I love the, the Riverdale shit. I love it all. So I would have been watching it anyway. Speaking of cheese, do you see, uh, what is it? You see this, uh, talking a lot about fast food this week. You see that, uh, fucking, uh, Chipotle's getting queso sauce? Oh, really? Oh, I, yeah. Man, all the Chipotle health stuff going on that really scared me away from that franchise a bit. Oh, really? What's going on with uh, Chipotle? Uh, they just, they, the, they've been shut down. Like, the people that do their food have been oh, shut down yeah. numerous times. For, I've like, heard about this. Yeah, I have heard about Health this. code violations yeah. and everything. I think it's, what's the other chain that's very similar to uh, Chipotle? Is it uh, Moe's? Qdoba? Qdoba, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I kind of lean towards them now when I'm going for that kind of stuff. All right. Yeah, there's like that Moe's Southwest Grill. There's all these Southwest places. Yeah, there's a lot of that. You yeah. are right about that. Yeah. Wait, there's another place around it. Cactus Grill. There's another one. Yeah. <laughs> what do they make at Cactus Grill? Uh, I, oh, man. Sandwiches? I, 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 yeah, I'm not – I don't know. I, I ate there one time. I was not impressed. Yeah. Yeah. Have you uh, been to the Portillo's they have in Bloomington? No, they got a Giordano's there too now. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, there's a Giordano's there right on Veterans. Yeah, fucking pizza place. Yeah, yeah, Portillo's with the Italian beef and the hot dogs. This is all yeah. Chicago shit just, like, uh, making its way down here. Yeah, it's crazy. Supposed to be getting one in Peoria too sometime really? next year. Really? Yeah. Nice. Anyway. Food. Now I'm hungry. Yeah. When are we done? I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll be done soon. Entertainment Weekly confirms that Iron Fist will have a role in Luke Cage Season 2. I don't know if it's a big role, small role, not sure, but they did show some uh, pictures from the upcoming season of Luke Cage Season 2, and uh, Finn Jones is featured in some of those pictures. So Iron Fist will be in there. Yeah, that's a good move. Take the two not as good shows and combine them into one. I still like Iron Fist. I don't give a fuck what people said. I still I like said Iron not Fist. as good. I left that open to interpretation. Yeah, like it or not, I think you would agree with the not as good statement. I know. Everybody fucking hated Iron Fist. Everybody was like, ah, fuck Iron Fist. Horrible fighting. I, it had that CW drama feel to it. I, I loved it. <laughs> I don't know. I enjoyed Iron Fist. So That's funny. Yeah. Everybody just, no, man, fuck that Iron Fist pussy. I want I want my fucking uh, Punisher, man. With the, yeah. Hell yeah, man. Punisher playing a motherfucking guitar, and then they had that Metallica. Man, they played that. They played that Metallica song in the fucking trailer. Hell fucking yeah, man. All, you know, it's like the only thing that was missing was like uh, him fucking like uh, riding a Harley Davidson that had like that looks like a dragon or something. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I imagine it more was something that had like the mud flaps with the like naked woman silhouette on. Oh yeah, that would work too. Like the yeah, the Yosemite Sam mud flaps. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, 
I mean, it's uh, Punisher. I don't, I don't give a shit. Is it, Punisher. God damn. It's just like, uh, you like testosterone? Do you like, I don't know. I don't, it's ridiculous. Do you like skulls and guns? And the, the most I like the Punisher character is when they really try to like throw him into like worlds he doesn't normally fit in. Yeah. Oh, I throw get him it, into man. the superhero world. Throw him into the monster world. Throw him into like that's that's the only time I ever find any interest in the character. I loved it when Jason Aaron was writing um him in the uh Oh man, I'm trying to remember the event, but it was uh Punisher hanging out with Doctor Strange. And it was some of the Oh, that was in the Watcher event. I forget what that was called. Yeah, I forget what it was called too. It was like something Original I. Sin. Original Sin. Yeah, it had to do with the eye. Yeah. I loved um I loved the interactions between him and Doctor Strange. And like they even made like a mini series of Doctor Strange and Punisher, and I think they called it what did they call it? Like like Ghost Bullets or what what the fuck did they oh, call that's it? Interesting. Like, yeah, when you when you kind of Magic Bullets or something. When you, when you kind of take him out of his natural element, I, I will concede that he does become a little bit of an interesting character at yeah. that point. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just not excited for the Punisher. And I know it's like everybody's got a fucking hard on for this thing, but I just, yeah. I just don't care. I really don't. I don't even know if I really care to watch it. To be, I'll, I'll watch the first episode to review it on the show. But if like, yeah, if, I'll watch the first episode. But this might be the really... first Netflix series that I don't finish. Yeah, unless it really blows my dick off, I yeah. probably won't watch more than one episode. Splash Report, uh, who a couple weeks ago reported they knew details of the Gambit film, where they revealed that Mr. Sinister would be the film's villain, is now reporting they know who Fox is looking at to play Mr. Sinister. No, do tell. See, Jake, I, you know, can I, I want to just find out if Splash Report is legit or not, because if they're not... I don't want to read their rumors anymore. You know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Are we? What, what do we have that we can keep a uh, keep an eye on? Well, the whole the, the whole uh, synopsis for uh, the you know, well, not the synopsis, but like they gave like the movie description, like uh, what uh, the Gambit film would be, how it was going to be kind of like Ocean's Eleven, and how Mister Sinister is going to hire Gambit to do some kind of like mission or some shit. Right. Uh, yeah, you're right about that. And then, okay, so uh, and then like the, the the dueling guilds. So anyway, now they're talking about casting for this film. So Mr. Sinister, they're talking about Mr. Sinister here, uh, the character. If you're not familiar with him, he was born Nathaniel Essex in Victorian London, so he's fucking old, and he's. I, I I've always thought that he's a very cool X Men villain. I've always liked Mr. Sinister if they if he's written right. So hey hey I I I got a break again. My landlord's calling me for some reason. <laughs> All right, sorry. All right, yeah. So cameo appearance <laughs> by Jake's landlord. Um, let's see here. Uh, burp, 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 burp. I was talking about Mister Sinister. He is a uh, yeah. Basically, the character is a genetically altered human with superhuman physical and mental abilities. The character is telepathic able to manipulate the minds of others in various ways, and is capable of energy projection through telekinesis. He also performs different body horror to different mutants, and uh, he knows apocalypse. They have a connection. and So here's the article anyway. They say, according to my sources, there are conversations about locking up Daniel Craig to be Nathaniel Essex 
aka Mr. Sinister, in Gambit, and also in other X-Men movies. Um, Jake, I'm thinking to myself, okay, are they, is this a stretch? I mean, I understand that Channing Tatum and Daniel Craig just worked together. God damn it. <laughs> God, we're both Hell, Jesus calls. Christ. No, it's not a call. It's an alarm I set for myself. Oh. I, I, I need to set an alarm to remember myself to turn off an alarm. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I know that Daniel Craig and, uh, Channing Tatum worked together on Logan Lucky. You know, the Steven Soderbergh uh, movie. I think that's where Splash yeah. is in their made up rumor. Yeah. I feel like they, you know, like it, it you can kind of like just kind of put that together, right? Like, oh, okay. It's not out of the realm of possibility that maybe Channing and, and Daniel Craig might want to work together again because Umberto Gonzalez from The Rap is reporting that this rumor is not true at all. So. Wow. Someone's actually reporting the, the falsehood of the rumor. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it's good. And I mean, Umberto Gonzalez has had some, you know, big breaks and some, he's got pretty good sources sometimes. So, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I'm not. Uh, what do you think? Let's, let's, let's just like, you know, fantasize about it, I guess. Do you like that casting? Daniel Craig is Nathaniel. Uh, as Mr. Sinister, I, not really. Yeah. Not really. I mean, it'd be, inter- it'd be interesting to see. I, I think Daniel Craig's a pretty good actor. Yeah. And, you know, he gets a little bit typecast as the Bond in the last five, six years. But, I mean, between Layer Cake and, like, Munich and some other movies, I, he definitely has the chops, I think. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I, he, I, liked him, I, I liked him a lot in Logan Lucky. I thought he was really good in that film. It's just, I don't know. Honestly, I think, like, um, I'm trying to think. I think John Hamm would be a damn good Mr. Sinister. Oh, that would be good. He's got the right shaped head for it. <laughs> exactly. I think, I don't know, man. I, you know, just like looking at the uh, pictures of Mr. Sinister and then thinking about like John Hamm's performance in Baby Driver. I'm just kind of like, I can see him. I used to he just be slimy. Yeah. I, I can see him like that, man. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm in. John yeah. Hamm is Mr. Sinister is is good stuff. I'd love to see it. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 my choice. Even though I even though I'd also want to see John Hamm as Two Face. So whatever, fuck oh, it. That's good too. Yeah, I know. John uh, Hamm seems destined to to be someone right? in one of these superhero movies, right? Exactly. Right. Yeah, he's got to be. <laughs> you know, I don't know, man. Same thing with Brian Cranston. It feels like it feels like Hollywood's holding out on him. You know, he's. I know he was Zordon, Zordon, in, in the Power Rangers movie, but he's got to, you know, they got to, they got to give him something better than Zordon, you know. Yeah, I, I think he'll get it. It seems like it seems like he really did want the Lex Luthor stuff, so yeah. it seems like he's game for this kind of thing. I think they should. I think honestly, I feel like he should come in. He should come in and be Lionel Luthor. Yeah. And just make make up for it. Yeah, like uh, yeah, my my kid's a fucking idiot, you know. And then <laughs> I'm down now. You know, I was not like I was not down for Brian Cranston as Lex Luthor for like yeah, the they, longest time. They did it for you. The uh, the Jesse Eisenberg did it for yeah, you. Yeah, he killed it for me. Like he, yeah. It's let's say anybody get anybody else in there in that role. Like yeah, let Jesse be Lex, but like in this version, like Lionel is the Lex. Like, just... 
and have Lionel be Brian Cranston. Let's just do it. Yeah, just shit. Yeah, he was bald in Breaking Bad. Let's do it again. Shave his fucking head. Let's do this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares, right? I think he's got it in him. Oh, I do too. I do too. I think he. I think he's got that performance in him. I'm trying to think. You know, he was. Uh, he was pretty. He's, he was a pretty good villain in Breaking Bad when he wanted to be, and he was uh, – no, he was a fantastic villain in that when he wanted to be. But he, I, he was a pretty good villain in um, – what was that? Uh, Sneaky Pete. So anyway, more Gambit movie rumors coming from Deadline. Lots of uh, Gambit. Lots of Gambit. Uh, I'm hearing that Gore Verbinski is making a deal to direct Gambit at Fox. This is coming from Jeez. Deadline. Uh, the X-Men spinoff has been a high priority at the studio since Channing Tatum stepped up to star in the film as Remy LeBeau, the suave mutant from New Orleans who can turn objects into projectiles. That includes a deck of cards. They're just, yeah. Free associations Tatum and Reed Carolyn are producing the film with X-Men overseers Lauren Schuler Downer and Simon Kinberg. Blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> so they're talking about uh, Gore Verbinski. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, he did, Gore Verbinski, uh, I mean, geez, I think he's yeah. been kind of washed up ever since right? Pirates 3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did, uh, so what was it, A Cure no for excitement. Wellness? Did you see that? A Cure for Wellness? Uh, that was a pretty bizarre movie. Is that the one with, um, I don't remember who was in that. Oh man, it was much. It was a lot like the other Matthew Broderick movie, right? Where he goes to like the health cult type thing. I don't even. I don't remember. I, I know. I know the title of this movie, but I never saw it. Somewhere out there, somebody's screaming. Cheer for wellness. How could you not know this movie? You guys don't know anything. You're fucking stupid. We are. You guys need stupid. a cure. You guys need a cure for podcasting. An ambitious young executive is sent to retrieve his company's CAO oh, yeah. from a mysterious wellness center at a remote location in the Swiss Alps. This is Dane DeHane, uh, yeah. Jason Isaacs, Mia Goth. What a horrible name. Mia yeah. Goth. She looks kind of gothic. She looks like she's got dead eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Oh, yeah, I don't... Yeah, Gore Verbinski being involved in this project gives me zero excitement. Oh, yeah. So uh, he's a one-trick pony, I think, with the ring, and he struck luck with the Pirates of the Caribbean just at the right time, you know? Yeah. So uh, you want, uh, let's jump into some Venom news. Yeah, I'm not excited about this Gambit movie anymore at all, or ever. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Venom news from Variety. Justin, uh, Justin Kroll from Variety tweeted this recently venom update kelly marcel penning latest draft of script kelly marcel was um the writer for 50 shades of gray um also wrote saving mr banks which was the tom hanks uh mary poppins movie oh yeah yeah that was and, decent enough. A little bit of a glorification of the whole thing, but I kind of enjoyed it. And Kelly Marcel also wrote some episodes of uh, Fox's Terra Nova and uh, wrote episodes for uh, – oh, excuse me. Wrote for the upcoming Cruella film, which I'm guessing is about – which is about Cruella DeVille, right? Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> Riding on – like doing like 
Maleficent, except with Cruella Deville. Right, right. So, um, yeah, uh, Kelly Marcel. Um, Out of all the news that I've heard, like this is probably the news that I'm least excited about. Yeah, I agree with that. Those aren't screenwriters that really get me super excited. I mean, Fifty Shades of Grey seemed like kind of a hack job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oof. That's kind of weird. Uh, I I do like this next bit of casting. I hope they use this person correctly. Um, if they do get her, Jenny Slate is also rumored to be in talks to star as a scientist in the Venom film. Um, I don't, Jake. You you probably remember her from other things too. But I remember she was on one season of Saturday Night Live, and she was the girl that accidentally said "fuck" live on the air back in two thousand ten. Oh yeah yeah yeah. She um. I remember that incident too on yeah. the uh, news weekend update. Panel, no, it correct? was during no, it was during a sketch. Was oh, it? A, was during a sketch? Yeah, it was during a sketch. Oh, geez, that's wild. Yeah, um, Jenny Slade's good. I'm trying to remember what I've seen her in recently. She is um, okay. She uh, she played the voice of Harley Quinn in the Lego Batman movie. She's also in that show Big Mouth I was talking about. Um, she was in Parks and Rec. Okay. Okay. Um, she was in Married on FX when that was on the air. Um, I, I think she's great. I love her. I think she, uh, she was also in, uh, the season of, uh, fuck, what was that show with, uh, Stephen Merchant that he did on HBO that I really love that got canceled after one season. Hello, oh, ladies. Hello, ladies. There you go. Um, but, uh, so Variety reporter Justin Kroll went on, to, on, on the Twitter to say that Slate's scientist character works at a company that is owned by the film's villain that also likely is holding the spot of the Venom symbiote the movie will showcase. So she's just playing a scientist. I think it'll be a very small role, and she will just tell people about the symbiote. Yeah, and that tells us that it's not going to have the alien origin story with that bit of news right there, right? Yeah, do you think they develop it? It's going to be more of the ultimate Spider-Man route where it's, uh, it's created to possibly cure diseases and help uh, people grow artificially, like that have missing limbs and what, you know, all that kind of stuff. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. So, which is the, I mean, it's not the original 616 origin, but I do think Bendis kind of made it make a lot more sense with the ultimate stuff. Well, and I mean, if they're not going to have a lot of Spider-Man in this, it makes more sense to start the story off this way. So... Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Venom news, more Venom news from Omega Underground. But yeah, I'm excited. You know, I I, I don't know how they'll use her in the film if they're going to use her because she's she's a comedian. She's funny. Um, I, I don't know how they'll use her in this. Well, it'll be interesting. I she's a scientist, so she'll probably just be telling characters about the symbiote. That's it. I don't think she's going to be anything more. <laughs> so. To me, it'll be much to the equivalent of like Jake Johnson's role in Jurassic World. Yeah, yeah, that. Uh, like, yeah, exactly. Right. A little yeah. bit of mixture of that, and then uh, the the actor, the scientist from Jurassic Park, that just tells you about the you know the the process of how they like brought dinosaurs back and shit. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and, and she'll have a little bit of charm to do with it. Yeah, so. uh, more Venom news from Omega Underground. Um, Weta Digital will be tackling the film's visual effects. I think that's awesome. 
that's good news. Weta's is a great visual effects company. And Spider-Man Homecoming's production designer, Oliver Scholl, will be crafting the look of the production, possibly to match Homecoming. It's interesting. Hmm. That, that, that's very interesting. I actually did not expect that little bit of news. I expected them to try to not match it, to, to go for darker tones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, when I think of Homecoming... It had really bright colors, oh, yeah. and bright tones. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I don't know. I mean, could could they make it look? I don't know. Could they could they go the opposite route though? Like one's really bright and the other one's really dark. I mean, I think that that would kind of be cool. I don't know. Yeah, that would kind of be cool, but that, yeah. it kind of goes against what they're saying about um, you know mixing the making it mirror the universe though. Well, no, this is this is just they. they they got the production designer Oliver Scholl, and and they, to, will be crafting the look look of the production, and they put in there possibly to match Homecoming. It's not it's not like they're it's not like they're going for that's, that. That's the cinematography goal. All right, I get you. I get you. Huh? It is cool. I do expect Venom to be like you said, more of a nighttime movie, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just by nature, right? Right. They've uh, Sony has also done some really good work here with hiring stunt coordinators. The stunt coordinating team that they have for this film is fucking stacked. They've got uh, fight coordinators Tim Connolly from John Wick 1 and 2, Logan 300, Watchmen, Man of Steel, The Avengers, along with Chris O'Hara from Live by Night, John Wick, Iron Man 3, The Avengers, Jurassic World, and Jack Gill from Fast and Furious, five, uh, 5 through 8, Bad Boys 2, Captain America Civil War. All these guys are going to be acting as the film's stunt coordinators. Yeah, those are the fast movies with the good stunts, too. So, yeah, yeah. Those, are, those are some good stunt people. O'Hara was a stunt co- coordinator on Red Sparrow, Born Legacy, and Sony's Baby Driver. Like, this is... Red Sparrow's the Jennifer Lawrence movie yet to be released? I believe so, yeah. Okay. This is, I don't know, man. I mean, everything but, like, this the fucking writer of this movie that Kelly Marsal is, all this news has me really excited as far as, like, everybody that they have involved. I mean, I, I'm just kind of blown away for, like, something that we did not want to see made. They're making a lot of really good moves here. Tom Hardy, Riz Ahmed, possibly Michelle Williams, possibly Jenny Slate, these stunt coordinators, what a digital. I mean, the production designer from home, Spider-Man Homecoming. I mean, this is like they're really putting a lot into this production, Jake. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm one thing that makes me happy about it is they obviously respect the franchise. They're not just trying to make a poo-poo movie. You know, yeah, it's not yeah. just we've got the rights to this character let's rub our hands together and make some money. It really does seem like there is some care here in yeah. making a, uh, a good production. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I just have this weird feeling like Tom Hardy's going to drop out of the project. I, I just, yeah, you know, I've had that since day one. Yeah. I just have this feeling. Well, I mean, I, I've always kind of thought that too. Like if he doesn't like the direction that this is going in, like he would leave. Like I, I can't see him putting his name on this, you know, I don't know. So anyway, mm-hmm. this next news story, I don't, I mean, we I haven't we haven't really talked about anything in the MCU too much. Yeah, it's we're kind of at standby here until yeah. like Ragnarok comes out and more information on Infinity War. Yeah, they said uh, Karen Gillan, who plays Nebula, 
talked with Den of Geek about her role in the Infinity War and confirmed that her character will indeed confront Thanos in the film, uh, saying, I've been sworn to secrecy, but I definitely think that all of what we've been building towards with all the backstories between Nebula and Thanos is definitely going to come to a head in the Avengers film, and she's definitely going to confront all those traumatic memories. I definitely think she is going to have her moment. When she says her moment, do you think that they're talking about a moment from the comics? I do not, but maybe. Okay. Now I lean. I lean towards not though. Now, when they say she's going to have, like, she's going to have her moment. Her moment is to confront Thanos. Do you think she's going to make it out of this alive? I also do not. I think that th- these movies are about Thanos and will tie up any loose end storylines involving Thanos in the MCU. And I think Nebula is a big loose end there. I think she will not make it out alive. So, I mean, I, I hope that they, you know, they've kind of been building up to this. They they did it a little bit more in the last film, kind of giving us a little, like, uh, peek behind the curtain about, you know, Nebula's past. And we find out, you know, Nebula and Gamora were, were made to fight each other. And every time, you know, she lost to Gamora, Thanos would rip, like, another limb or body part off and then, like, you know, upgrade her with like cyborg robotic parts and shit like that. It's really fucking dark when you think about it that way. Um, I mean, do you think that we're going to have like this emotional scene where Gamora watches her sister die? Mm, I definitely, I definitely think there'll be some emotion in it. If another character is not witnessing, witnessing the emotion, I think by the point it happens, we as an audience will like, Nebula more as a character. I think we need to see the impact of it. I think we need to see it through Gamora's eyes, though. I really do for that impact. I think we need. We have. I haven't spent enough time with Nebula, you know. But I, you know, I think I need to see it through Gamora's eyes for it to really hit me if she dies. Yeah, I think that that's probably true, and that's going to give her the motivation to want to really strike at Thanos at Mm -hmm. that point too. Yeah, yeah. Are we going to get Hulk versus Thanos? Is that going to happen? Are we are we going to get to see that on screen? Are we going to get to see Thanos put Hulk on his ass? Uh, I think the answer to that is yes. Oh, man, I cannot wait. <laughs> it would mean so much more if the Hulkbuster already didn't do it. But, oh, well, it'll be kind of cool to see it anyway, yeah. I guess. Hopefully we're not seeing Thor do it as well, you know, <laughs> four or five months before. <laughs> Hulk's like a little bitch now, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man alright so, yeah. move into DC news oh yeah what is it what was that story James Gunn talking about the baby Groot is not the Groot from the original film did you read that yeah he's been saying that since before the movie came out yeah I, I know think he just had to it was just a big story this, it, it was people. a bit yeah it was a big story this week so yeah I noticed that it's been getting a lot of play this week I, I did find it kind of strange um that was something that I had already taken for granted going into this movie that this was he'd already explained he didn't have any of the memories of ba- of mm-hmm. the other Groot that it was a completely different entity. So it's just one more step saying that the the Groot from the first movie is dead. I mean, I know it's. I weird. thought that was kind of understood. It's weird how a lot of these stories have already come out and then like something will spark it up again and then they'll just pump it out again. It happens all the time. Yeah, I, I'm kind of. Um, Oh crap! I dropped my mic. I'm <laughs> I'm kind of excited you said that because I didn't know if I was having like deja vu about this story a little bit. Oh no! I was like, man, I swear this is all just stuff I read like ten months ago. No, I mean this this stuff happens all the time with the uh, with these media outlets. 
uh, either they didn't report it initially or, you know, um, the story comes up again at a convention, you know, James Gunn talks about it again and then they just report it again to get more clicks on a slow news week. So I don't know. Yeah. And I guess when they first reported it, the movie hadn't come out yet. And now that everyone's in love with baby Groot and Groot, it's a fun time to talk about Groot being dead. (laughs) Yeah. I am dead. Um, I am dead. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on. I read that, uh, James Gunn has 80% of the music already picked out for guardians of the galaxy. I heard, I heard, yeah, I heard most of it was locked for the film. Like he knows. He said he had 10 tracks, 10 total tracks already picked out. Wow. Crazy. It's exciting stuff. Yeah. All right. DC news. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. I don't have any news. We're just going to talk about that trailer that came out. What'd you awesome. think? Awesome. <laughs> you blown away? <laughs> oh my gosh, that trailer. What'd you? I mean, what did it for you, man? What? Uh, mostly dude bro Aquaman <laughs> was my favorite part of the whole thing. I love it. I mean, my at this man. point... You might as well just go for it and just go all out dude bro Aquaman if that's what we're doing, right? Oh, man. All right. Yeah. You know, like, it's one of those things where you want to get excited because it is the formation of the Justice League, you know? And, you know, you you love these characters. You care about these characters. You want to see them fighting together and stuff like that. But, man, every time I started to feel myself getting into the trailer, Aquaman would take me the fuck out of it so quickly, man. My (laughs) man. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hell, yeah, man. My man, my man. Oh, I I laughed so yeah. hard when he, when that happened. Oh I, man, wow, so bad. I don't, I don't even know what to say about this. Uh, let me think of positive things about the Ezra Miller, trailer. man. Ezra Miller, come on. Ezra, I actually liked the tone they were going with at the beginning of the trailer. Yeah, with the uh, Lois Lane in the empty bed stuff with Superman. Mm-hmm. I, I actually will. Give him a little bit of props for that. I thought that was nicely done. And, like, it was a good way to get me excited about what's going on with Superman. Uh, I kept looking at Henry Cavill when he's, like, when he's looking like Clark and he's wearing the, you know, the, uh, oh, God, the flannel. And he's out there in the in the field. And I kept looking. I was like, turn, please turn and have the curl. <laughs> I, I know you're not, I know you're not, like. Superman right now, you're dressed as Clark, but if he if he would have turned and had the fucking curl in his hair, I would have just been like, yeah. It doesn't matter, man. I mean. Hopefully, hopefully they do do that, and hopefully they save it for the movie. I hope so, man. I want to see that fucking curl. I know that's so, so stupid. I, I know it's, but that's part of that character. And, and, you know. I don't think it's far-fetched to want that, Brian. I yeah. think um, a lot of signs point to that being a possibility i mean we know the return of the john williams theme is coming yeah yeah so how, how far-fetched is it to amp the curl up yeah yeah let's uh give the curl a whirl in the <laughs> justice league um yeah i you know as much as i wanted to enjoy this trailer um there's i mean i i really enjoyed ezra miller as the flash i thought it was funny I, you know i i did i i think he plays that awkward um, he's looking up to these other heroes. He's kind of new to his powers and, and he's excited and he's young. You know, it just reminds me of like Finn Dietz Creek. If he became a superhero around us, yeah. you know, and we're just like bitter and jaded, 
You know what I mean? And it yeah. just reminds me of like a younger, a younger superhero. And I, but every time I started to kind of like get into it and start to maybe even get excited about the trailer, Aquaman would take me out of it. Yeah, I thought the effects were very strange looking too. It Cyborg was like, is terrible. Uh, everything looks super green screen, even more so than anything we've ever seen in like mm-hmm. Batman v Superman. Mm-hmm. And just the 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 direction, the artistic decision to kind of give everything that red wash that they did in a lot yeah. of those action sequences. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't really much care for that, and I don't know. It just looks like a jumbled mess. I don't think. I don't think they picked a villain that's going to steal the show. Like, I just can't imagine Steppenwolf being like a pop culture icon anytime soon. Well, I mean, let's go back to, I mean, Avengers. You know, Loki was fantastic, and that that's where they got it right. But, like, this is the same formula where it's Steppenwolf, but, like, instead of the Chitauri, he's got his parademons. So, uh, I was going to say, yeah, the same thing about the Chitauri. Like, there's really almost no difference between the two things right. as far as just yeah. enemies for Batman to shoot his guns at. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, the difference between the Parademons and the Chitauri that I'm going to talk about now, and it was kind of like revealed in this trailer, and I don't know to what extent it's going to, you know, it's going to play a part in the actual film, but it looked like when we saw the. Um, the battle, it, it looked like between like the humans, the Atlanteans and, you know, the, the Amazons of Themyscira when they're fighting, you know, Steppenwolf and the Parademons at the beginning, there, it looked like one of the mother boxes or Steppenwolf or dark, I don't know, not dark side, dark side's not introduced yet, but it, it turned one of the warriors into a Parademon. So that's how Steppenwolf has this army. He's turning either humans or Atlanteans or Amazons into parademons. And I think like maybe that's what they're fighting for in this film is to keep mankind from turning into more of that parademon army. So it's not like (laughs) that makes it kind of worse then. So who cares about trying to find any way to reverse this problem? Let's, you know, hopefully it's an irreversible, irreversible thing. And they're just, when they're just blasting these parademons apart. Well, I mean, Wonder Woman's killing Nazis, like killing soldiers in the last, in, in not Nazis, but um, in in World War One, she's killing soldiers and stuff like that. I guess, you know, you just you got to fight that evil, man. <laughs> I mean, you just got to fight that evil. I don't, but it could have been a, it could have been a nice guy before it was a parody. Well, sure, you know, like the the people she was fighting in World War One were were assholes. I'm sure Hitler <laughs> was a cute baby, Jake. You know, yeah. <laughs> but you know. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's one. I, I I don't know, man. It's just one of maybe, maybe the Chitari are nice guys too. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there could be like the Papa Chitari. He's got a you know a couple Chitari babies at home that he's you know he's just doing his job. You know, you, uh, he he was told by you know Thanos he had to go through that portal that day. You know, he wanted to stay at home with little Chitari baby and maybe toss the ball around, you know. But I mean, what if it's like, what if it is like Aquaman's people? What if they just turned all Aquaman's people into parademons and that's what they're blasting apart? That's kind of (laughs) fucked up. (laughs) Sure. I don't know what to tell you, Jake. I don't, maybe you shouldn't see this movie if that's, if it's going to affect you on this level. 
Yeah, I think there, there should be a trigger warning before the New Justice League. I know. Jake is Jake's looking after those Atlanteans. He doesn't <laughs> Jake Jake's like, I remember. I remember what, Atlantis. Oh man, dude bro Aquaman is gonna be very upset when he finds oh, out. God. Just... Oh god. Oh god. Do you realize how many you. Atlanteans you killed? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's gonna be a big bummer. Bummer, yeah. dude. Oh man. Sorry, man. I knew that guy. <laughs> Pour one out for the fellow Atlanteans. Yeah, and then and then and then he's eating fish sticks, and they got to tell him about that too. Oh man, he's like, ah, oh, fuck! I'm zero for two today. No yeah. man, this trailer made me hope they never make an Aqu- Aquaman solo movie. It's dude, it's finished. What are you talking about? Like, they've made it. What are you talking about? Oh no. That's not good. Hey, someone's yelling. Hold on a second. Oh, Jesus, this episode. Landlord's calling. I got fucking my alarm going off. You got somebody yelling outside. Jesus, what the fuck is going on? All right, yeah, Justice League trailer. I don't know. It's, uh, I wanted to get excited. Just, I mean, it was all right. Yeah, what'd you rate it? Uh, I guess I taste it. I am going to toss it. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I, I just hope to see something more that would get me pumped for this movie, but I don't know. I don't know what they could have showed me at this point. I'm pretty jaded towards yeah. the Zack Snyder stuff going on in the DCEU. So we'll see, though. I'll still see it, though. And, you know, maybe it'll be good. Maybe yeah. the trailers will be deceiving. You know, yeah. Suicide Squad looked good and ended up being bad. Maybe this will look bad and end up being good. What do I got here? Is this any, is this worth any? Is uh... oh yeah, what? I got uh, Star Wars news. I'm like looking it over. That's all I got for DC. <laughs> I ain't got nothing else. All right, Justice League trailer. All right, Star Wars news. The gods. What are Misa saying? You were supposed to be here with me, listening to Pop Culture Leftovers podcast. It's not true. Impossible. Star Wars, the last Jedi news from makingstarwars.net. Uh, they had uh, an article titled Fun Details on the Evacuation of Dakar from Star Wars, the last Jedi. Uh, Dakar was kind of like basically the Force Awakens version of Yavin, um, Yavin 4. So remember that little base that they had? Yeah, I'm trying to... God, they did such a bad job in branding the planets in this last Star Wars movie. Yavin Four? No, is, is the New Hope planet? What's the what? What are you talking about? Whoa! Let's back up. Yeah, sorry, okay. sorry. All right, okay. I'm talking about the Force Awakens. There was Dakar, the planet that they basically like the Resistance set up their base. I said okay, that, I said that planet. I said Dakar. Well, we're like <laughs> we're on totally two different pages here. Yavin Four was basically like that planet. It's basically like oh, you're comparing the planets. I'm comparing Dakar to Yavin Four. Dakar is basically Yav- the Force Awakens version of Yavin Four. 
I'm, I'm completely on the same page now. I'm All sorry. right. No, I was, I was like, what? The, I was like, am I losing my mind now? Like, what's going on here? Dakar is Force Awakens. Yes. Like, one of many ripoffs of A New Hope. And yes. And it's its version of Yavin 4. Yes. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. Um, so there's details on the evacuation of Dakar from uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi. Uh, one of their listeners or followers named Jedi Bibliothek, which is what he goes by, has uh, found a preview for Incredibilds, Journey to Star Wars, The Last Jedi, a wing deluxe book, and a model set. Um, subtitled both, um, Inside the Resistance's High Speed Interceptor. Uh, it is basically a book that appears to give you information on A-wings throughout the saga with a wood model to build your own A-wing. The juicy part is it has information on the evacuation of Dakar, the planet where the Resistance was based on during The Force Awakens with exteriors from Greenham, Cam- uh, Greenham Common. Uh, the textbook for the book states, after Poe Dameron's squadrons destroyed Starkiller Base, the First Order sought out the Resistance headquarters on the planet of Dakar to enact their revenge. A-wings flew guard around the Resistance fleet and the transports fleeing the base when three First Order warships emerged from hyperspace to attack a squadron of A-Wings commanded by Tally Lintra assisted Poe Dameron and the Resistance's assault bombers in taking on an enemy dreadnought. So, um... Mm. This is just journey to the last Jedi stuff, not stuff that'll be like actually in the movie. I don't know if we're gonna get. To, I don't. I don't know if we're gonna see this in the film. I, it depends on you know, like if, if if the film does a time jump or not. So you know, if yeah. if the film does a time jump, we're not gonna see this stuff. We're, we're there, it's probably just gonna be some bit of dialogue that somebody drops or something. And, you know that uh, you know C three PO might say. Oh, but we haven't been there since we fled Dakar or something. You know, I don't know, you know. Yeah, it is cool material for the kind of journey to the Last Jedi stuff. Right, right. So I think this movie has a lot better time of the last movie in doing interesting novels and, like, extra canon stuff that's more interesting. You know, they're not – the other movie had kind of the trap where they just couldn't reveal anything. Yeah. So everything felt kind of generic, like all the journey to the Force Awakens stuff came off as very vanilla and generic. And I think The Last Jedi has it a lot easier where they can do a lot of cool stuff now that a lot more stuff is out in the open. You know, we might see this in the film. Hold on. I mean, it says hold on. It says here, excuse me, in The Force Awakens, General Organa states the resistance base is a target. Uh, So the First Order follows through on that. But they wait until the start of The Last Jedi to get to the destruction because Rey and the Resistance took down Starkiller Base. Interesting. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. It would be a very cool like way to open the movie as yeah. far as the uh, Poe, like Leia side is concerned. Yeah. To see them instantly just being bomb blasted and fleeing their home base. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's the way a Star Wars movie should start. I I always kind of thought it would start with like that shot of like Snoke's mega destroyer, but you know we'll see, we'll see. It could be both, to be honest, mm-hmm. it, right? It yeah. could be Snoke's mega destroyer leading the attack on Dakar. Yeah, I, yeah, it's just one of the I, you know I'm I'm psyched to see his mega destroyer, and I think like them just starting off with like a bang, like holy shit, you haven't seen one this big. 
and just just throwing it out there right at the beginning would be kind of cool for me. I would not mind yeah. that at all. Yeah, so. I, th- I think you're pretty close on target. They're not going to cinematically waste the reveal of a ship that big. It's yeah. When we see it, it's going to be neat. Yeah. Either way, we're going to get to see this. This uh, it's called the supremacy. But uh, we're going to get to see it, so I'm looking forward to it. StarWarsNews.net also had some news about The Last Jedi, a series of scans from the updated edition of Star Wars Absolutely Everything You Need to Know reveals some interesting information about some of the new content that will be seen in The Last Jedi, such as what kind of Force abilities Snoke can use. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Big time spoilers here. So there were eight pages in the book that were dedicated to The Last Jedi. And here's a breakdown of some of those pages. Uh, things we learn about Luke. He says to Ray, breathe, just breathe. Now reach out. What do you see? And we actually saw that in the teaser trailer for the yeah, tomorrow's definitely. trailer that's coming out, um, which we might do a bonus episode on Tuesday to talk about that trailer but anyway uh in that trailer he only in that teaser he only he says breathe just breathe but he what he finishes that with now reach out what do you see um another passage of the book says towering cliffs and stone ruins dot the secluded island that luke skywalker calls home located on the planet octu Troubled by the tragic events of the past, Weary Luke lives here in quiet exile until Rey arrives in search of help for the stricken resistance. And by tragic events of the past, it specifically mentions it's talking about Kylo turning to the dark side and burning down the Jedi Academy and killing those who were at Luke's Jedi school. And this was confirmed by the book. And I mean, <clears throat> I mean, there there was a uh, at at New York Comic Con they had put Lucasfilm put up a booth, and they put up uh, I think a, they put up a Kylo Ren mask, and they called Kylo a Jedi killer, and this is official Lucasfilm shit. So they yeah, call him a I Jedi killer. I expected them to touch on this in the next movie. I mean, we're not seeing flashbacks of you know the Luke on R 2s hand sad for mm-hmm. to never bring it up again. I mean. Right. I, I figured that story was going to be at least continued at least one or two spaces forward. And they said that the reason he wears the mask and everything like that is because he wanted to kind of uh, separate himself from his family. He didn't want people to really know who he was when he was out doing these horrible things. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, What did we learn about Ray from these eight pages? Uh, Ray travels to Octu on a quest to find Luke who may be the Resistance's only hope to defeat the terrifying First Order. Rey knows Luke's reputation as a famous hero, but she isn't sure what to expect when she finally meets this mysterious figure. Rey isn't on Octu to train with Luke. She's trying to recruit him for the Resistance effort. Hmm. That seems weird after what she just went through, that she wouldn't want to... uh expand on those abilities and learn more that she's just there purely on business. Well, I mean, you know, I, she's uh, there to train, I guess. I mean, she can learn a lot from him, but she probably thinks that they need, they need the resistance needs him. Yeah, I could see that. So no time. We'll train later. Maybe is the attitude. 
Well, I think he's – I think Luke's kind of like, I don't want anything to do with this, but, you know, I'll train you. I, I mean, I don't know. We'll find out when we see the movie. But I, I, I think I, Luke secluded himself there because he – I mean, his nephew went to the dark side and it, his nephew was kind of like his responsibility – you know, and yeah, yeah. He tried. Yeah, his shit, his shit didn't work. It made a bunch of bad things happen. He's done. And so, like, I don't know. I mean, part of I, part of me thinks, like, you know, like he's he's kind of turned his back on the force a little bit because you know of his his comments. There's like, you know, like, you know, what did he say at the end of that trailer? Like, there should be no more Jedi. Uh, yeah, yeah but, something really sinister. Yeah, and so it's like. I think he's just kind of like, you know, like, you know, people, you know, something happens, like people turn their back on, you know, if, if it's a religion, you see in, in stories, like people turn their back on God, you know, like, and it's like the same thing here. Like he feels like every, he tried to teach the force to this, this young, you know, up and coming force user in Kylo and Kylo turns to the dark side. Like, what's the fucking point? You know, like what history, why does history keep repeating itself? Or, you know, like why do this? So he probably doesn't even want to train her when she gets there. It's not like, oh yeah, maybe I can train you and you can turn to the dark side too. You know, it's like, yeah, it probably just make more bad shit happen. Right. He's so. probably just like, fuck it. You know, I'm kind of done with this shit. You know, like yeah. this is a good place. You know, I get the, these birds are tasty and, uh, you know, the ocean's <laughs> beautiful, you know? Yeah. I'm done. I'm yeah. relaxing. I'm retiring. Exactly. This is my retirement. You know, porgs are tasty. Porgs are, t- they're good. <laughs> uh, Luke has spent at least two years on Octu. If we expand on this bit with that, uh, with what we know about the canon, then this means that the time between Ben Solo's betrayal and Luke Skywalker's decision to set up shop on Octu is as great as four years, since Bloodline mentions that Luke and Ben are still teacher and student six years before The Force Awakens, and as little as a few months. There seems to be a deliberate amount of vagueness here so that storytellers have a good amount of creative freedom with these stories. Uh, what do we learn about Chewbacca? Um, Chewbacca meets the locals. Chewbacca doesn't just wait around while Luke and Ray explore matters of the Force. The Wookiee gets to know the wildlife of this remote island, such as the feathery-winged porgs. Chewbacca fills in the emptiness in his life that Han's death created with a bunch of puffin penguin guinea pig things. I <laughs> called this, Jake. I called this. Yeah, you did. You I did. said he's he going to needs... befriend and raise the pork. Yes, and I said that he's he, that uh, you know, like, what do you have? Like these uh, these sympathy pets or whatever the fuck they call them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I said one of the, these poor. He, his best friend just died. He's gonna he, he's gonna take care of one. Of the, it's gonna give him a purpose. So, all right, let's talk about Snoke. Let's talk about Snoke and the dark side. Kylo Ren wants revenge for his humiliating defeat at Ray's hands. Uh, we have explicit confirmation that Snoke can use the Force with abilities in telekinetically throwing and choking people and telepathy empathized. Empathize. <laughs> empathized. I can't say that word. That's a hard word for me to say too. Empathize. I, I always fuck that one up. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to. Say, it's almost like I'm trying to say empathy, but I want to say emphasis. Emphasis. 
Oh, yeah. I, I hate saying that word. I always sound like an idiot. Yeah. Uh, the last one is important for those who have read the novel as it's hinted that Snoke tries to tempt Rey into killing Kylo after beating him in single combat. I've talked about that scene many times on this podcast. Oh, yeah. And um, so it's interesting that they are confirming it here. Um, the, the Praetorian Guards are humans, not droids or aliens and are armed with all sorts of unique weapons. The Praetorian Guards are eight in number, ruling out the possibility that they're the other six Knights of Ren in fancier mm. armor. I actually kind of like thought maybe they were the Knights of Ren at one time. I, I, It was one of those things where I said, like, you know, after Kylo kind of, uh, kind of fucked up, you know, got beat by Rey, that maybe, maybe he, you know, Snoke took his, his Knights of Ren and made them Praetorian Guards. So. Yeah, I thought that was a plausible theory when you first brought it up. Yeah, but now it's just different. Now it's different classes of guards. You know, we've got, you've got, um, you've got, what's her name? Phasma, she's got her elite stormtroopers. You've got Kylo, who's got his Knights of Ren, possibly. I don't know what's up with them. I don't know if we'll ever see him in another film. Um, but then you've got <laughs> Snoke with the Praetorian Guards. So, like, each, you know, I mean... Each one of them has like their own, their own personal army or whatever underneath them. So it is weird how they're defining all these new Snoke powers. When, from what I've heard from Ryan Johnson, we're going to get less of Snoke in this movie than we got in the last one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it must be a pretty big scene, though. The, like the one scene we get of him. Yeah. Who's he going to force choke? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that one scene that's less screen time than what we saw in episode seven. Yeah, I wouldn't be any screen time at all. But I wouldn't be surprised if in this movie Snoke is not talking like we like if if we don't hear Snoke's voice talking to Ray in this one. Like that could happen. Yeah, I agree with that. The fact that they're bringing it up again again means that they have to establish it for the movie going audience, right. and not just the you know. The very select few that actually read the book, you know, exactly. that's like ten percent of the audience. Exactly, even. exactly. So, the resistance labels bombs with messages to the first order. Do, 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 do. That's it. That's it. Um, as far as uh, the last Jedi news, I thought that was pretty cool. They uh, that was cool stuff. The worlds of uh, MakingStarWars.net um, talked about the worlds of the untitled Han Solo Star Wars story, and there's five worlds that they bring up. Um, that may seem like a lot of worlds for, like, one film, um, but they did talk about how this takes place over a six-year period from the time he's 18 to the time he's 24. So that kind of yeah, makes that sense. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. This seems like the Forrest Gump of Star Wars movies where we're just kind of like a big tour of everything. Yeah. Now, one of these planets, I think they said it was Vandor. Okay, here's the planets. Of course, Corellia, Kessel, Iridium, Savarine, and Vandor. Um, I'm pretty sure that they said that Vandor could be um, Fandor. I think they, 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 they're not sure. Um, yeah, it could be Fondor. They're not sure. I'll get into this. Um, each planet. Iridium has shown up in Star Wars before. The rumors about this world are that it is mountainous and dangerous. The expanded universe lore had pirates that used power gems to disable the shields of ships so they could raid them. We do not know if there's a connection to the expanded universe lore or if they just happen to share the same name. 
Vandor. Vandor was a rocky system of planets in the expanded universe in the Coruscant system. I should note that there's a planet in Han Solo at Star's End called Fondor. Fondor has also shown up in the new Battlefront 2 video game. It has made me wonder if I misheard it due to regional accents. I'm still awaiting confirmation on that because I could have sworn they were saying Vandor, but Fondor sounds pretty damn close too. So I, I think it's the latter. I think he miscommunicated. I, there's no way they're going to have two planets that sound that close in name in in the same movie introduced, in fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do think it's the latter. I do think he misheard either accents yeah. or just yeah whatever i agree yeah hey he wants to cover all his bases though that's that's jason no Lord. no it's, yeah. it's good reporting it's yeah. good reporting and, and he's not admitting that it's 100 percent the truth yet because he still hasn't got mm-hmm. the confirmation but i'd be willing to guess that it will be confirmed that it is just fondor Savarine uh has shown up this is another planet Savarine has shown up in star wars lore already as well it is mostly mentioned for its brandy Maybe that brandy is interesting to smugglers during Imperial rule. We will have more to say on this world soon. Corellia, we think that Han Solo speeder stuff is likely on Corellia. And the youngest version of Han we will see in the film here. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's probably right. That's probably where we're going to see Han with Kira, played by Amelia Clark, doing his speeder racing. And, mm-hmm. you know... And that's we're gonna, we're gonna see really young Han. Um, I I I can't see Amelia Clark going through the whole movie with him. I think that she's probably just going to be on the on the Corellia stuff. I would imagine she might yeah, show I, up somewhere I later. Agree. But yeah, I unfortunately feel the same way about like Donald Glover. I'm sure he's just going to be in a section um, of the movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're probably right. He probably gets the gets the Falcon from him, and then that's it, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it's not. I don't think it's a like a. It's an ensemble cast, but as far as who we're following, I think we're basically following Han Solo. Yeah, yeah. So we're not going to jump around to like what's going on with these other characters. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's going to be kind of a Han Solo through line. Well, yeah. I don't see like Lando following him to you know, three or four of these five planets we're talking about, you know? Yeah, exactly. Damn it, Han, why'd you get me trapped down here in these Kessel mines? Exactly. So, yeah, the final planet is Kessel. Kessel would be the world where Han Solo likely frees the Wookiees. We have heard a variety of Wookiees besides Chewbacca showing up in the film. We saw a brief glimpse of Kessel in Star Wars Rebels, and it was mentioned in A New Hope as a place C-3PO really doesn't want to be sent to. Do they end up on Kessel after a run goes bad, or is it as prisoners because of what happened on the frontier of Corellia during a battle? So, yeah, we do know that he is going to be sent to the spice mines. So it's going to be, it's going to be. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm really. I don't. I don't care what people are saying about this. I, I'm really looking forward to the Han Solo film. Yeah, I'm looking forward to to kind of seeing its vibe. In the first trailer, I know you're. Uh, once they announced Ron Howard, you were kind of dampered your your spirits on this film. But I, I think Ron Howard is a competent director, and I think that uh, we can still get a good film out of this. So, I agree. I agree that we can. It's just now it's like a question to me, and yeah. now I really kind of need to see some proof in the pudding. Like I really need to see a trailer before I can kind of 
decide how excited I am now at this stage of the movie. All right, so five planets. Do you think that like do you think that this is the end of the planets? Do you think we could get more? I mean, I, I'm thinking we could maybe even get another planet in this. I, I'm thinking more. Like I said earlier, how it's, I think it's kind of like the Forrest Gump of Star Wars movies. I think we're we're going on the tour here with Han Solo, so I could see more. I would say at least maybe one or two more. I can't. I don't know if we're going to get any more than that. I think it's a lot of different set pieces, but I could see. I could see maybe two more. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised that there's a planet that's being left out that's a, a one of the more famous Star Wars planets that we'll see Han visit that they're not saying yet. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 So, hard saying. Yeah. I'm excited, though. I'm excited to see a trailer. Oh, yeah, me too. That's all I got, man. You think we'll get a trailer by Last Jedi? Jeez. <sighs> when did we get our Rogue One trailer? I mean, the shit, but this one's coming out in freaking May. Yeah. They say it's coming out in May. It, it's yeah. coming out in May. Um, yeah, I mean, it should. It should. I, I think it should. I think it'll definitely be attached to it. It should. I would imagine. Yeah, so that'll be interesting. Yeah. All right, we are done. I'm hungry. Yeah, dude, we're done. I don't know. Should I... Yep. Say, fuck this episode? Should I say that? No, no, I don't say fuck this episode. All right. Right. I'll say it. I'll say it. Fuck it. All right. Hey, um, what are we doing next week? Anything coming out next week? What are we doing next week? Uh, blah, 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 blah. Oh, God, I can't think of any big movie coming out, which means there's probably some huge movie coming out. Yeah, I'm getting on my Flickster app. That's what I was doing, too. <laughs> the yeah. exact same thing. <laughs> uh, upcoming, The Foreigner with Jackie Chan. Happy mm. Death Day. Coming out, Marshall. Oh, goodbye, Christopher Robin looked interesting. Oh, fuck that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, Donald Gleason and uh, Margot Robbie. Yeah, that's how you pronounce his name, people. I know it's uh, D O M H N A L. I know everybody wants to say Domnal. It's Donal. <laughs> Yeah, wow. So yeah, next week's episode will surely suck, right? Oh, probably. <laughs> That's a safe bet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, skip next week, everybody. Do yourself yeah, a favor. skip next week. Yeah. Oh yeah, stick around. Uh, me and Matt Kirby review, um, Blade Runner 2049. So check that shit out. There you go. All right, Keep yeah. It. Let's take a so, quick. Let's I'll take say a, goodbye, yeah. and Brian will say goodbye to you later. Yeah, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, yeah tell Matt I said hi. Uh, I will, absolutely. I bet, I bet you're going to forget. Uh, I, think you, <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> All right. What's the plan? Guess we're about to find out. Bring them to me. Blade Runner 2049, rated R. Experience it in IMAX. All right. Hey, welcome to the uh, Blade Runner 2049 review. Uh, Jake has not seen this movie um, this week, so I uh, wanted to have... One of our listeners that is a Blade... As far as I know, you're a big Blade Runner fan, Matt. 
I'm a, I wouldn't say I'm a big Blade Runner fan, but I'm a Blade Runner fan. Okay. All right. Not a big Blade Runner fan, but you are a fan of uh, the franchise. Well, yeah. the, 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 I guess, franchise now. The film. Yeah, the film, <laughs> the original film. So, yeah, Matt Kirby is on the podcast today. We're going to talk Blade Runner 2049. And, uh, man, uh, this has been many years coming. How many years has it been since 25-plus? Uh, at least, isn't it? Yeah, 82. So, no, yeah. 30. Like, this is like... Fucking hell. 35 years later, we're Jesus. finally getting a, a sequel to this. And uh, Blade Runner 2049, a young Blade Runner's discovery of a long-buried secret, leads him to track down former Blade Runner, Rick Deckard, who's been missing for 30 years. It's directed by Denis Villeneuve. Uh, it's written by Hampton Fancher, uh, Michael Green, um, I guess, uh, Ridley Scott, is he's, is he a producer on this thing? Do you know? I think he was executive producer, was he yeah. not? Yeah. I know, I know he's got his name in it somewhere. Obviously, yeah. it's his baby, isn't it? Absolutely. Let me just check. I'll, I'll find out for you. Yeah, I'm uh, trying to think if he's credited as a writer on this thing. Uh, I, no, have to, I have to admit, we didn't stay for the credits, so I don't know, because after three hours yes. at midnight last night, I was like, I want to go home. I was the same way. Like, as, <laughs> as, for as much as I wanted to sit around and, like, listen to the synthy music and shit, I, I, I hightailed it out of there. It was, yeah. uh, it's a long movie. Two hours and 44-minute runtime. But uh, it stars Harrison Ford, Ryan Gosling, uh, Jared Leto, Robin Wright, Mark Arnold, uh, Dave Bautista's in it for a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, uh, as far as, like, when you think of, like, high-concept science fiction, Blade Runner is definitely one of those movies that you think of, man. And I, I, I don't know about you, but I felt like this movie definitely continued that tradition, if not oh, more so. Oh, God, yeah. It was, it was, the words I used last night, it's just a love letter to the first film. Isn't it? Oh, God, is it? I, 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 Matt, I, I really didn't think that it would tie so much into the original other than the fact that they're bringing in Harrison Ford. But this has, uh, pun intended, very deep roots in Blade Runner. You could literally watch the first one and the second one back to back and not realize they were made 30 years apart. Agreed. I I, I actually did that. You know, It's been a really? long time since I've seen Blade Runner, probably about... 15 years maybe since I've watched Blade wow. Runner. It's been a long time. So I watched Blade Runner, um, the original, the morning of. Um, yeah. And I uh, went into the theater really, really excited. I was actually talking to Jake before I went to the theater, and Jake's just like – Jake had zero hype for this film. Like he wants it to be good, but he just – he wasn't feeling the hype. I'm not saying like he won't watch the movie and enjoy it. I'm just saying like before the movie came out – there wasn't that hype for him. And like after watching the original Blade Runner again for the first time in years, I was feeling that hype. Like, wow, yeah. where are they going to take this story, man? And I, I don't know. Do you want to go ahead and rate the film? Yeah, kind of if you want. Yeah, um, go for uh, it. Uh, it's a fucking Tupperware. All, all day long. Like it couldn't be further from a, you know, it's just awesome. Absolutely amazing film. I, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. It's yeah. visually stunning. Like, and it starts off. When you say the words love letter, you're you're 100% right because it actually starts off like the original Blade Runner with these beautiful like city scenic scenes and like bringing you into like the new uh, world uh, 2049 in the way it looks. Because like when the original movie starts, like you're getting like you're seeing like what uh, the future looks like, what this world looks like, these 
giant vistas, these huge scenes. And you're getting that here again with that music. And I mean, the vehicles look a lot alike. Um, it's just, there's so not, not just the fact they look alike, the, 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 the way they're shot on film, yeah. they still look grainy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They, yeah. they look, it wasn't like they've taken it and gone, we've got to make this look fucking amazing. No, they've said, we've got to make it look as close to the original, but, but better. Yeah. And I, you know I, what I mean? They've not tried to make it look right. Super real. It still has that lovely eighties, bad blue green screen, chroma key aspect to it. Yeah. Slightly. But oh, it was just, uh, I, I, there, you know, I know Jared's put up on Facebook earlier about it's his number one film of the year. And I said to him, it, it's right up there for me. Um, only seconded to Dunkirk, but it, it is just, gorgeous film yeah it really is and i mean that a lot of that has to do with the director and the cinematographer i think like when you get these guys together they did sicario uh denis villeneuve Villeneuve. yeah um and then roger deakins when you get these guys together they did sicario together like they do great work together and i have yet to see sicario i really should sit down and watch it yeah yeah i I think i've kind of i've not been put off by your review but where you said that it's not a happy film i'm like i don't know whether i really want to watch yeah it's it's one of those movies where you got to be kind of like in the mood for it yeah exactly Uh, yeah it's definitely not a happy film but like it has it has its moments man it has its moments where it's uh it's a very dark kind of like well, yeah, you got to see Sicario, but we're <laughs> here to talk about Blade Runner. But yeah, definitely, definitely watch Sicario, man. You, you, get yourself in like one of those moods where you're just like, okay, I can handle this today, and I think you're really going to enjoy the film. So. Yeah, I will do at some point. Uh, but man, um, let's you know, let's just talk about a few things that happen in this film. Like we're introduced to our new Blade Runner, Ryan Gosling, and I don't know about you, but like, yeah, we're gonna and this is gonna be spoilers, guys. This cool. is gonna I was going to sp- ask if you were going to spoil this. Oh, yeah. I mean, if I was going to – I was originally just going to kind of like talk to Jake about this knowing he hadn't seen the movie and do a spoiler-free review. But since it's I'm really talking – It's really tricky to, though, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I was – what it came down to was me saying, oh, it's a Tupperware. You got to go see it. And that's yeah, that would have been it. Yeah. Well, that's Jordan asked me that last night and that was exactly what I said. I, was like, I can't tell you anything. Right. You know, it spoils it. So, so we got Kay. We've got Ryan Gosling's character of Kay who's our new Blade Runner that we're following throughout this film. And I don't know about you, but I, I started to get that feeling at the beginning, like right at the beginning with the fight with Batista, the way he's handling him right at that moment. I'm like, this guy is, he's a replicant. I mean, he's got to be a replicant or he's got to be like, as as soon as, as soon as Batista was pushing his head through that wall, something's wrong here because he's still getting up. He must be a replicant. Yeah. I was thinking like, have they done genetic upgrades to human beings? Is that's what's going on here? I hope that's not the, yeah. I hope that's not the case though. Cause then I think you're getting too convoluted with the story. Yeah, exactly. So it was like, as soon as it was revealed that Kay was a replicant, I was just like, okay, this makes sense. And this is interesting. Um, but it even gets more interesting as we go along throughout the story. We, I mean, this this really ties into Blade Runner. I mean, were you starting to put the connections together from the beginning when there was the burial of that trunk 
Were you starting to think to yourself when the bones were in there? Were you starting to put it together that that was Rachel? I was. Yes, straight away, I, I, I thought that was Rachel. And then, obviously, I followed them down the garden path that they laid for me. Yeah. Right the way until they pulled the rug out from underneath me. If you know what I mean. Oh, I know exactly what you mean, man. Yeah, uh, I know. I know. I know we're spoiling, but I just didn't want to spoil it just yet. Oh, that's but, fine. Yeah, they literally. I, I followed them right the way. They just led me by like like a fucking horse to water. Right. To that twist, and I was like, I'm ready for it. And then, oh fuck, which I thought was great because it, it was completely against what you're figuring is an is an easy plot solution. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I was just again. What, what more can you say? It's just flawless. So basically, like now, you know, like the spoken word test that. Harrison Ford as Deckard would give in yep. the original film. They've kind of done away with that, right? I mean, yeah, they've just got a baseline test. Haven't yeah. They? So um, they are from from what I get because again, it wasn't really explained. It was just up to you to make your assumptions. They're bombarding them with something that should gauge a, a woke response. Yeah. And then after the woke res- after the question that would gauge that response they will then give you a word and you have to repeat that word and then any change in your baseline vocals or um bodily function or anything else will then ping uh, a red note in your thing saying that you're possibly going against your program yeah yeah well, that's uh, what i took from it anyway without without it being explained to me exactly exactly um we learned a lot more about the Tyrell Corporation and like what happened with that and how it was kind of like dissolved and then absorbed by the Wallace was it Wallace yeah like yeah yeah did but did you watch that short on YouTube no I have not watched the I was got to go and check that out because that really does explain a bit more okay is that the that's the uh, is that the animated one no 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 it's the one with Jared Leto in it Uh, okay the um, the Nexus twenty 22 okay i'll send you a link in the message chat anyway but and i'll I'll also put it up against put it up on the facebook wall again yeah um because i know a lot of people didn't watch it last time because it's blade runner and they're a bit skittish about it right i was kind of like hesitant on watching those i didn't know if it would enhance my viewing or if it would detract a little bit so like i was just like i'll watch the movie and then once it's over then i'll watch those and i still haven't gotten around to villano put them out on youtube to to give you a little bit of a link between the the foot sort of just tie in what's happened they were kind of like the animatrix a little bit they were just little ties in to tell you that you know, you've got a thirty-year gap. You need some explanation of what's happened in that time. Yeah. So, and they, they, yeah, they're very good, very good. So, I mean, when when they dig up the the bones and everything like that, and then we find out that the cause of death. Do you want to get into it now? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, the cause of death was uh, childbirth, and so. I and then they they do they zoom in on the bones, and there's a serial number. Yep. So, I mean, I'm putting the connection together that this is Deckard and Rachel's child. Like, yep. and so, like this, this also ra- raises the question of how can a replicant give birth? And so, I guess it's it's one of those things where this is as far as the Tyrell Corporation took this, like. They, like we knew that the innards of these replicants was like you know, basically like nuts and bolts, but I guess the closer he got to like Nexus Eight, yes, yeah. like I guess he had kind of like 
it was nuts and bolts, but also kind of like a combination of like working human. Well, right up to the, what, oh, where am I echoing? It was, it was just basically, it was just like, I guess he got to the point where he would, was able to kind of basically replicate human, uh, biology. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, I'm echoing really badly, Brian. Oh, really? Yeah, really bad. It's okay. gone now. Okay. Um, I, I, I kind of, I thought from, from the first one that Rachel was almost a perfect specimen, specimen. Right. If, if, to the point where she was literally human, bio, bio, bio organs and, and everything else made in a lab that she was, um, basically human bar a, a, a CPU, a processor. Yeah. Now, and the same as, same as Deckard. They were both the same model. Right. Now, um, the thing is with, with that, she, are we led, we're led to believe that she didn't have the same like four year lifespan that the other replicants, earlier models had. She had like a regular lifespan? She had, uh, they, they both had uh, an indefinite lifespan. Yes, yes. Well, no, we're not sure, sorry, we're not sure about Rachel. We know Deckard has. Right. Um, but Rachel, we were unsure about, and it was never really, it was sort of hinted at that she might have. Right. Um, at the end of the, um, the first film. Yeah. But, um, yes, yeah, it, it's one of those vague, vague answers, isn't it? Yeah. I, uh, I don't know, man. It was, uh, it was kind of like shocking to me. Like I was like, I can't believe that they're going here. I hope they can pull it off. I was really worried about it when, when they first like introduced like, uh, replicant childbirth i was like oh no how are they you know how is this not gonna get you know you know what i mean like i, I, I could Check robots again yeah so i was just like oh where's this gonna go and i honestly i feel like it was all very satisfying they left a lot to a- ambiguity but i mean it was pretty satisfying overall yeah oh god yeah and I thought that it was, it really showed, it played a part into the motivations of Jared Leto's character as well, of Wallace, to like, you know, he basically took over, like, whatever the Tyrell Corporation was, he is now doing. And he explains kind of like, uh, you know, uh, off world how they're, uh, he, he basically still just looks at these replicants as slaves. And off world, there's so much demand for the replicants, and he can't keep up with supply and demand. And, if he could figure out how Tyrell got this done with Rachel, then he can have replicants reproduce. Yeah. And, and, and so I'm just like, oh my gosh, okay, yeah, this is, this is really, this is really cool. Um, was, uh, that little, that little device that he was using, was that to- That was s- fucked up. Yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, the, the, that weird with his little drone. Yeah, his little was- flying drones. Was that to? We never got to see what he saw on his end, but was that? No. Was that to see? Was that to? Was that kind of like a, a way for him to visualize things? I think so because I think he's blind. Yeah, he's yeah. He looked he's definitely, blind. He definitely had shined lenses. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I took it as he was blind, and that was his the only way he could then see what was going on. And I should imagine he saw on quite a different spectrum to us. What was the deal with all the water in that room? Did that play a part <laughs> in his? 
Was he listening I, to the rippling water? Did that help possibly him? Possibly extrasensory yeah. perception, right. maybe isolation tank kind of thing. Or did it just look pretty for the movie? It might have just looked really cool. Exactly, <laughs> and it did. I'll, I'll admit, man, it looked like a. It looked like you were at a really fucking fancy hotel in like Las Vegas or some shit. You know yeah, what I oh mean? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> this whole movie's gorgeous. Like it's the whole movie's just a work of art. I mean, whether it does, it doesn't depend on where they are. Like I, I loved uh, just. We'll get back to the main story, but like some of the places that I loved in this, I loved it where Deckard was hiding out. Oh, it was good. I, I, I took that as being Vegas. Yeah, that was Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, something has happened there that we we were, weren't really filled in on, or was, right. it, was that laid out in the first film? I can't really remember. Um, with a with a, a dirty bomb or a nuke going off, right? Um, but yeah, it, it just the 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 color palette on that on those scenes was just. It was just gorgeous. What? Absolutely gorgeous. Well, they perfected hologram technology with Elvis Presley, right? Yeah. Oh, that was brilliant. Wasn't it? That was such a good scene. Then giant Marilyn and then the, the can-can dancers. And, oh. Yeah. My question is, was the dog real? Don't know. <laughs> Maybe. It's not my big question, but I was like, it's one of those things where I'm thinking like, you know, because like he was asked straight off, straight up if the dog is real and yeah. he, he wouldn't tell him. I don't know. I, uh, but yeah, the, 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 I mean, that made me think like, just like some of the tech in this movie that, that they use, I, I'm just blown away by like the, the tech in this. Like they've, they've taken some of the things like that we've, uh, that we, that we've seen in other movies with AI and artificial intelligence, but they give it a new spin and, and, and it's really cool. Like, um, what was it? The, um, uh, the, the hologram girl, uh, in the home. Joy. Yeah. Uh, basically, he's got, Ryan, Ryan Gosling's character of Kay comes home to this hologram woman who's an artificial intelligence who actually, like, we're watching it and I'm believing that she actually has feelings for Ryan Gosling. Now, whether she does later on with what's revealed when he's uh, when the when the moving the moving billboard starts to talk to him, I was just like <laughs> looking back on every all their interactions. I'm I'm really yeah. like kind of like wondering about that. You know what I mean? This is I don't know if you've seen her with Joaquin Phoenix. I haven't. No. Okay, that's that's another movie where I felt like they took a little bit from her and put it into this film. There's a. Uh, there's a scene in her where Scarlett Johansson is the AI and Joaquin Phoenix falls for her. And there's like a sex scene where she brings in a woman and he's going to make love to this woman. But it's supposed to be kind of like he's making love to her through this right. woman. Okay. And they, they did that in this movie where she – that was fucking weird. Wasn't it? Okay. So basically you've got this hologram woman and she syncs up with this – prostitute like syncs up and prostitute yes the hologram and her like sync up as they're standing there so like her movements mimic the other woman's movements but it's not 100 percent perfect which i thought was a really cool touch yeah so you could kind of see like you know the hologram space of joy going in and out of this other woman's face and and uh that was kind of a that was one of those one of those I don't know. It's just a really wild moment that you feel like they didn't have to put that in the movie, but I felt like I felt like it was really cool. Like it really added something, added something to the film as far as like this technology and how people view it. And 
I don't know. I, I don't know. I really appreciated that that scene I mean, for what it was. Just going back to Joy and the hologram, how fucking good did she look? The hologram. Yeah. Like the fact that they hadn't just gone right. Let's make a hologram translucent. They've kind of said, well, the way that light's going to dampen, you can see through one side and see the inside of the other side. Yeah. And the depth that it put on it. Did you see, you saw this in IMAX 3D? I take it. I saw it in 3D. I didn't see an IMAX. 3D. How good was the 3D? The 3D was I. I thought it was great in parts. Some parts it was unnecessary, but I. I don't know. You saw it in IMAX 3D? No, I just saw it in 2D because I'm a cheapskate. Okay, um. I thought it was okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I thought it was. See, I went to a theater where on opening night, if you go, it's five bucks a ticket, no matter if you see it in 3D or 2D. Uh, right. so, okay. well, so we, we use our unlimited cards and we only get 2D with that for the first year. So I see. Uh, it's, 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 that's why we do it. And to be honest, as I've said before to you, uh, you know, some 3D leaves me a bit, a bit, it draws me out of the movie a little yeah. bit sometimes. So I'd rather just not. But yeah, I thought she looked amazing. And yeah. I thought the, the, the scene when she actually went outside for the first time. Yes, with the rain. And, and the rain and the way that it start the, the hologram took on what was happening yeah and did, actually made her wet and made made the rain run off of her as part of the hologram i thought was just just gorgeous the uh the scene where the, where she's looking up and they kind of like it's an overhead shot of her and the rain's hitting her um it reminded me of shawshank redemption that yes. scene yeah. and i don't quote me I, I would have to look it up here but i think roger deakins was the cinematographer for shawshank redemption I'm looking now. I am actually. I am too. It's a race. Buddy, cinematographer Roger Deakins. Yeah, Roger Deakins was the cinematographer on this film and on. So yeah, I honestly feel like that was a Shawshank Redemption yep. Easter egg. I'm Definitely. calling it. Definitely, <laughs> you can have that one. I'm taking it, man. I'm taking it. <laughs> but yeah. Um, Dude, I, also when he brought home the uh, the little Wallace device where he could carry her around, and we mentioned yeah. that, yeah, like she was basically limited to his apartment, and he bought like this upgrade kit to where like he could take her and she could go anywhere she wants to, and I thought it was really cool when he said like you're free to do whatever you want to, and she wanted to stay there with him, but yeah. like is that part of her programming? You know what I mean? The, again, as, as open to debate, isn't it? That's, that's yeah. one of the things that Blade Runner's always been. Absolutely. Is everything is open to debate. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's what Philip K. Dick does so well in his writing, and that's what they've taken, taken it from, obviously. Um, it's all, um, up for debate, and there's no, there's no right or wrong answers with it. Yeah. It's just one of those, like, later on, like, I'm, I'm fully believing that this holographic woman is in love with Kay. And then yeah. we get that live billboard of that. It's a, it's a, basically it's a, a it's a moving billboard. Like if you remember, like uh, Back to the Future Two with like the Jaws billboard. You know, yeah. this is the same thing, but it's even more interactive. Like the woman comes over and says, "Hey, good looking. You know, you look lonely. Blah blah blah." And she's trying to sell herself to him. 
and she's like, you know, I love you or whatever. And, and you're just thinking to yourself, like, is that all just part of the programming of the original hologram yeah. or did she really love him? Was there like some yeah. sort of like, um, you know, artificial intelligence? Did she actually become like a sentient being and love him or was this all just part of the programming? And I think that that's just another one of those things where you leave the theater and you can have those discussions with your friends. And, yeah, uh, definitely. I love it. So I, I was quite shocked as actually how little Harrison Ford was in this film. Yeah, I mean, we're like basically there's like an hour left in the movie, right? Yeah. When we get introduced yeah, it's to him. About that. It's, 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 two, it's nearly two hours in and then Harrison Ford turns up and I would imagine he's in three scenes. Yeah. In total. Yeah. Um, he still, I mean, still does a good performance and I wouldn't necessarily say it's his finest performance he's ever done, but it, he, he does all right. Um, yeah, it was just a bit shocking. The same with Batista. Considering they were they were quite they were touted as as being quite important in the film, they weren't really in it a lot. Yeah, Batista just kind of like set it up to where like you know he 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 dropped the miracle line, kind of like yeah. our first indication that 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 he was a replicant that saw this miracle. What is this miracle? And later on, we find out that it's like this uh, uh, replicant birth, and so you know that's that's the miracle in this world and. Uh, and uh i guess the when when they find the bones the bones aren't enough for wallace to you know kind of like duplicate this this uh this birth this birthing this pregnancy so he actually needs to find the child yep of this and i, I did you i mean were you thinking okay there's got to be a twist got to be a twist got to be a twist i mean I'm trying to think of that, but it, they really try to set it up that Ryan Gosling is this child. Oh, there's, there's nothing – you wouldn't think anything else. Right, exactly. Because they're not even trying to be clever about telling you that there is – this is what's happening. It, it, it's blatant. It's mm-hmm. really – it's so obvious you're thinking, well, it must be. They're not, tr- not trying to throw me a curveball. Right. And then all of a sudden, as we said before, that fucking rug comes flying out from underneath you yeah. right at the end. Yeah, like, yeah. The fuck? Yeah. And then you realize all the pieces, the, the, the one line that, that explained the whole film was you completely missed because you weren't really concentrating on that character. Yeah, this feels like, in a lot of ways, it feels like, I don't know, kind of like, uh, biblical in some sense because you got like yeah. the chosen child and then you also have like, you know, if you, you know, like in, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, you had like the knight that was protecting, the, the you know. The cup of Christ. Yeah, the cup of Christ. <laughs> you had, you had the, uh, you, yeah, you, you had that, uh, that night that was protecting like the uh i can't even think what it's called now really you fucking the holy grail the holy grail i'm like thinking chalice i'm thinking what the fuck is it called (laughs) um he's protecting the holy grail and you know like we find out like later like batista was one of these guys that was like trying to protect that secret and uh and then the woman that had her eyeball ripped out yeah she was another one that was trying to protect the child and um you know and i thought that was like a really cool tie-in because like we saw uh, at the beginning, we saw Kay rip out Batista's eyeball and put yeah. it in the little baggie. So I'm like thinking, oh shit, man, she's, she's ran into a Blade Runner in the past. She's. Mm, must have done. Yeah. So I, 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 man, I, uh, I could talk about, the, there's so much to talk about this with this movie. There is, and this I, is the problem with it, isn't it? it? Is. The one thing I was going to ask you is, do you, do you think it could have been shorter? I think it could have been shorter. I because um, that's the one complaint I've heard a lot of people here sort of say is that it, it's just too long. Yeah, yeah. I, I um, like what could they have done away with? Um, exactly. Yeah. You're either going to do away with storyline or yeah. beauty. Yeah. Um, you know, 
I mean, it was long, yeah. It's a, th- yeah. It's a nearly a three-hour movie, but yeah. I wasn't sitting there going, God, I'm fucking bored. Yeah, I'm the I'm in the same boat. It it was one of those things where I'm not checking my phone all the time. Like, what the no. fuck? How much longer do we have? I was just like, yeah. And that's what I love about this. Uh, you know, Blade Runner's always been like kind of like high concept science fiction, and mm. it's like science fiction with a detective story. And and I felt like this. It's it's so perfect that they 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 did this 30 years later because there's so many questions. So many things that happen within those 30 years where we're trying to piece things together. And I still feel like we don't have the whole story. And oh, no. They, still, they left it open beautifully. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could get more. And and the one thing I really liked about this is it didn't feel like they've just gone back to a franchise 30 years later. It almost felt like they had planned. They've gone, right, we'll do this now. Right. In 30 years' time, we're going to do the sequel. Yeah. And that's, they've had this plan already. They haven't even sort of just gone, oh, let's do, let's do another one. It's almost like they planned it because it's so well written. It's not forced. It's not convoluted. It's not ruining the mythos of, of Blade Runner, and it's not trying to make it look like something it's not. It's keeping that very clear style that is Ridley Scott, isn't it, on the original? Absolutely. This is yeah. You're you're so like going back to Love Letter. This is a Love Letter to Blade Runner and Ridley Scott's style, yeah. and I think. You know, Denny and Roger Deakins just did such a great job with that. Um, as far as, uh, maybe, maybe you can kind of correct me on this too. I, I feel like one of the scenes that I felt like was kind of like a little too heavy handed was when we got Edward James Almos in there. Was it necessary? Because like even at the end, he did like the little bit of origami just like in the original film. And I'm thinking um, to myself, could they have left I, that out, or was it was it? And he's dressed like Colonel Sanders. I'm like, I'm, <laughs> now I'm hungry for chicken. I, you know, <laughs> uh, I don't. I to be honest, I think it was it, need, it needed something because you needed something to explain how he's going to how he's going to find Deckard. Okay, yeah, that connection. And I think you needed that. There's no, there was no one else. Yeah, you had to have that connection, and he was the only other person that was there. Yeah, you know, Tyrell's dead. I should imagine the police chief was dead from the first one. Right. Rachel's dead. All the replicants were dead. So he was the only one that survived that film. Or <laughs> sort of is. So I think it was. I think it needed to be there. Um, maybe you could have had him contact him on a hologram, or I don't know. You could have done something different. But I, you know, I like seeing Edward James almost. It's 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 part of the part yeah. of the film. Well, I that's. I mean, it was just one of those one of those scenes where I wasn't like, oh shit, they they're just. They're just trying to play all the hits now. I, it was one of those. I, I just and you make total sense that there needs to be that connection to Deckard. Yeah. And um, you know, and, and that's what that's what a Blade Runner would do. They would they would get in contact with somebody that he knew. I mean, that's yeah. So that makes one hundred percent partner. That was the only person they could go to. Yeah. So, so what did you? Okay. Uh, oh no, go, go ahead. On. Please go ahead. Uh, all I was going to say is, um, did you think that Ryan Gosling did well in this role? Or did you think it could have been played by anybody? Oh man, um, yeah, I, I, I happen to like Ryan Gosling. I, it depends on what he's in. I mean, I, I love the movie Drive. I, I think it's fantastic. But it, right. it, it's, it's, it's kind of like a. Uh, I also feel like Drive could have been played by Tom Hardy, like that, right. that yeah. role. And and I think maybe Tom Hardy could have done it better. And. And and with this, I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> I'm sorry I'm such a Tom Hardy fanboy, but I, I honestly feel like Tom Hardy could have taken this role and made it even made it even better. Um Yeah, Tom Tom Hardy does stoic very well, doesn't he? Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I really liked um, Ryan Gosling in The Nice Guys, which I watched on your recommendation. I loved it. Yeah. I thought he was really funny. Great comic, great yeah. comic presence yeah. in that. But in this, it, there wasn't anything. He, it was just a stone-faced actor. Right. Could right. have really been anybody. Um, so, yeah, I, I you think you're right. Tom Hardy would have made it something else. It would have just been... He's almost that Rutger Hauer kind of stoic, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Which would have been quite cool. I could also see, honestly, I could see, like, if you can't get Tom Hardy, my second choice, I don't know, call me crazy, Joel Edgerton. I think he, yeah. I think that he could have been a good choice. Maybe he's a, he, he looks a little too old for the part, I guess. I don't know. Um, Maybe. But um, I think Joel Edgerton is a pretty damn good actor um, in his own right. Um, but, man, I, uh, th- th- there, there's... One scene where he did, like, where he gets upset and he starts to flip out a little bit where I kind of like, I wasn't buying it. I was just kind of like, ah, I, I don't know. I just didn't, I, I should have, I guess I should have connected more with it. I was connecting a lot though. Oh my God. I don't know about you, but when we got the, it was the, uh, it was, uh, Sean Young. Yes. When we finally got, oh my God. That was it. Was a horrific scene. Yeah, <laughs> it was gorgeous. But I heard now. Forgive me because I didn't stay for the credits. So forgive me if I'm wrong. And you probably didn't know if you bowled it out there as well. But apparently, she was given credits over Batista. Really, Sean Young? Yeah, apparently. Okay. Um, I heard some people talking as we were leaving the cinema, or, or we were all heading out, and it was like, oh, it's fucking disgusting. Sean Young was given credits over Batista, and she was in it for like thirty seconds, and it was only a CGI image of her. Yeah. Um, so that was her voice. I looked on IMDb and she's not even listed. I guess they were wanting to keep it secret. So, but no, yeah, it it was an amazing scene and the emotion that Harrison Ford actually did show on his face at that point was quite, quite impressive. He didn't say anything. It's just that look. Yeah. It sold me. I was starting to feel like a a knot in my stomach when that scene happened. So, and then the eyes comment and yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow, wow. So the CG looked so amazing. Like, it looked like Rachel. It looked like Sean Young from Blade Runner. Like, in, oh, gotcha. right, right in that room. I, yeah, you couldn't see, no. you couldn't see it was CG. No, and I'm, I'm like looking for like the seams, you know, I'm trying mm. to look for like where, okay, where, well, uh, let's see where they kind of screwed this up here. No, I mean, it yeah, looked no. like it, they've got it down. Like, we've come a long way since Tron Legacy, you know? Oh, fucking hell yeah. So, wow. <laughs> I, I Tupperware this. This is this is a gorgeous movie. I will go on the record to say though that if you don't like Blade Runner, you will not like this. No, that's kind of what I've said. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was talking to Joe Vitale last night, and he's not a fan of the original. And I yeah. said, you you're not going to like it. No, you won't like well, it. I'd, yeah, I'd still recommend watching it because it, it's it's how someone should do a sequel to an '80s movie. It, it, it's a lesson in how to do a perfect sequel. Yes. But it's if you're not if you don't like Blade Runner, don't watch it because you yeah. just waste three hours of your life and you'll complain that it's convoluted, it's over over pretentious and yeah. all the rest of it. So how many people went to go see this this weekend that have no idea? How many young millennials went to go see this oh, that had no God, idea that this was actually a sequel to anything, and oh. they're expected to see like Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford kicking ass in this movie, and they go in there and it's this high concept sequel and they're 100 percent lost. I mean, you know it happened, you know. Do you know what? When we went to see T2 um, 3D, 
we were we were sat in there waiting for the credits to roll, or yeah. waiting for the film to start, and two guys came in and sat behind us, and that they put the trailer up for for, for Blade twenty forty nine. Yeah, and and the guy turned to his buddy and started trying to explain Blade Runner to his friend, and there's me and my wife pissing ourselves laughing and this guy goes yeah well Harrison Ford's like this bit, this cop and he's chasing these robots that are replicants and they've all gone mental and there's Rooker Howard and there's rain and there's a pigeon and, and it was just <laughs> like couldn't be further from it it was just what he remembered oh wow uh, and it, it made me laugh and yeah. then they continued to talk through the credits of T2 and my wife nearly got up and smacked them uh, so, how, how yeah. full was the theatre? what in, in T2 T2 yeah uh, every seat but the first two front rows. Really? Yeah, it was packed. Wow. See, I went, I went here on opening night, and it was me and one other guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you got to remember, it was one night, one show. Ah, uh, see, so yeah, so they played it here. I, I got tickets as soon as they came online, and, yeah. and they sold out very quickly. You see that? Uh, what's his name? Is it Robert Patrick? Not Robert Patrick. Yeah, I Pat- saw the, uh, the uh, Edward Fur- Edward Furlong. Well, uh, Edward, the guy that played the T-1000 said he would come back and do this new movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, he said, if I'm asked, I'll come back and do it. Mm, could be good. I don't know. It's like they're already doing the basis for Arnold. I mean, fuck it. Why not? Yeah, I know. You're I'm, just still, gonna pay... I'm, still, I'm yeah. still terminated out. Me too. If you're just going to pay fan service, just fucking go yep. all in. You know? Yeah, don't do it. We could talk about Terminator for another whole fucking oh, podcast, Brian. Agreed. <laughs> agreed. Yeah, man, but Blade Runner 2049, man, so, so fantastic. Yep. So is, is it out there on your film of the year? It's it's up there. I don't think that – I don't know if it's going to be in contention. I need to think about it a little bit more. I want to see it again. It's it's definitely in Tupperware. I mean, you know, I mean, God, I mean we're talking about – we're talking about like Wind River. We're talking about Dunkirk. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know you, you, you've got a much wider wider range of films than me. But yeah. for me, it's, it's Dunkirk and then this for me. Yeah, I mean, my, and there's still some other things that I need to see. I mean, Suburbicon, the new Coen Brothers movie coming out. Yeah, um, you know we've got that new Miles Teller movie coming out yeah. soon. And Daddy's then, Home too. Yeah. yeah, Bad Moms too. Yeah, Bad Moms too. That's uh, I enjoyed Bad Moms. Uh, <laughs> so did we. We really liked it. <laughs> it was actually really good. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of you know, Baby Driver is another yeah. one that's uh, up that's there. That's out next week over here. So yeah. I'm going to go and check. I'm going to rent that and check it out. Yeah. So uh, can't wait. Yeah, I mean. Uh, Right, so are we gonna get? You think that uh, you think Denny's gonna come back and do another Blade Runner, or they're gonna wait another thirty fucking years? I no, I'd like them to 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 do another one. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe get, say it's and you know another ten years in the future, but I'd like to see this um this replicant uprising. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I want Leto to come back. I think Leto did a great job. I think he did a fine job. <sighs> why why wasn't he a good Joker? Uh, you know I. I don't know. I don't know if I want to. Was it his stylistic choice to go that route? Because if it was, I do kind of blame him. And I also, the editing in that movie was horrible. I never really got a feel. I don't know. He should have been a great Joker because he was so good at it. His stylistic choice. At some point, the director's got to go. Hang on a minute. That's not what we want to do. Trust me. You know, you can be an artist, but we've got to do this because the character is relatively set. Yeah. You know, you you got to blame um, David Ayer for that, or yeah. Warner Brothers, or whoever it is that that is responsible for it. It's, yeah, I think Leto actors do what they're told a lot of the time, and if you give them too much free reign, then you do end up with possible problems like Jared Leto's Joker, Joker, or you know, 
Henry Cavill Superman. Um. <laughs> yeah. You see, that's the thing. It's like Leto, like this character that, that we had on this film is like, we have nothing to compare this character to. Nobody's ever done this character before. No. This is a brand new character in Blade Runner canon. So you, basically you can do whatever the fuck you want to. If you yeah. want to do this character that way or if you want to do Samuel Jackson, what he did to that character in The Kingsman and talk with a lisp and eat McDonald's, <laughs> like you can do that. Like nobody gives a shit. Um, yeah. It's just like in this, it's uh, it's a brand new character. Like he was trying to put a really weird spin on a beloved character from comic books and other films and it just i mean swing and a miss yeah and i, I have to say that with the, with the the rest of the look of the film i've got to blame david air for a lot of it because it is just hot topic comics uh, yeah 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 i mean but see that's the thing david air i had so much potential um coming out of like i watched fury and i loved that movie a movie that made Shia LaBeouf look good. Yeah. You know? I, I couldn't get into Fury. I did try and watch it. And really? I, I got about an hour in and I just wasn't feeling it. I just like, it's one of those movies where it was like a World War II movie with tanks, Brad Pitt. I, I'm in. I, You're in. You're sold. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm a sucker for World War II movies unless it's Inglorious Bastards. Cause I, as much as I love, and I love Tarantino's stuff, I just, his take on like, History in that movie just didn't work for me. I'm more of like a purist when it comes to World War II stuff. I just felt like yeah, that. Yeah, fair enough. Was... I, I took I took Inglorious Bastards as an Elseworlds story. See, yeah, I, and I wish I could do that. Now, see, that's what I'm worried about. Like with uh, him doing that Manson Girls movie, I'm worried uh, about. I'm not, I'm not into that. I won't. I won't even be entertaining that film. Yeah, see, it's one of those things where like I'm thinking like he's gonna he's gonna change history in that movie and have like the main Sharon Tate girl take on the Manson Girls and it like fight them back and i mean no, like no. that's give not... me give me the bride two give me give me kill bill three yeah uh, I'm all in. give me that's kill bill three give, it, give me that last one and then retire yeah yeah absolutely give me that that'd be so amazing oh, too God, bad God. he didn't do a fucking vega brothers movie when he had the chance yeah <laughs> i mean because you had uh vincent and then you had his brother that was in uh reservoir dogs yeah and I mean, they were, he was talking, they were talking about him doing like a Vega Brothers movie for like the longest time. And we never, then, no. now they're too old. You can't do it. Never mind. Fuck it. It's a shame. All right. Hey, Matt, thanks a lot for joining me. Uh, Dude, for thanks the- ever so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, this is where we're going to end the episode. But we, <laughs> so I, I gotta, I gotta say the lines. And, uh, and, uh, just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage and thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. See ya. Like 7 million podcasts Talking about pop culture and all that Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before and we don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Good it, toss it, good it, taste it Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, clean erase it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carry over counterculture pushovers Pop culture Leftovers Cool kids, what's to say has already been said. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and we're the shaft of crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. Crap! Good